longtime employees to lead us in the pledge, and he doesn't know I'm doing this right now, is John Kay, who's our longest serving employee here, 40 years. Come on up, lead us in the pledge. I know, they got <laughs> representing all the employees. He looks like he's about 50, so I don't know how this is happening. So please lead us in the pledge on behalf of all the employees. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please remain standing. Ladies and gentlemen, it is customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of of notable persons from our community who have recently passed. Before I recognize our colleagues, I just want to mention that the county commission uh, and, and county government lost former com county commissioner Sylvia Portier. She passed away uh, at the age of 87. A cousin of the late actor Sidney Portier, Miss Portier dedicated her life and career to the community of Broward County. She was raised in Deerfield Beach and became the first woman to serve on their city commission in 1974. In 1985, then-Governor Bob Graham appointed her to an open commission seat here in Broward, where she was the first black commissioner to serve and represent Broward's minority community. She was a symbol of political su success and persistence. Um, I'm told she would not take no for an answer and always looked out for the homeless and minorities. If she saw an injustice, she would pressure her colleagues to make the right choice. Known by many as the matriarch of Deerfield Beach, she always supported the people who needed her help most. She was one of 17 siblings. She lived through segregation at a time when blacks drank from different water fountains, rode in the back of the bus, and weren't allowed to eat with whites at a lunch counter. Despite those social injustices, she pushed for building the Sawgrass Expressway, supported tri-rail and affordable housing, and if she was here with us today, she would be full steam ahead with our affordable housing initiatives. The trailblazing blazing politician was outspoken, uh, often got her way, always got her point across, you knew where she stood, and she let you knew where you stood. Seven, seven years ago, the Board of County Commissioners declared October 27, 2015 as former County Commission Appreciation Day in her honor. There will be a visitation and viewing on November 16th from 12 to 8 and a service on November 17th at 5 o'clock, both at St. Paul United Methodist Church, 244 Southeast 2nd Avenue in Deerfield Beach. Commissioner Portier, you will be missed. And I'm going to recognize other members of the commission, Commissioner Farr, Senator Rich, Vice Mayor. Well, thank you, Mayor. Thank you for that tribute to Commissioner Portier. Just want to recognize um, Stuart R. Randy Kester, Jr. Uh, was a dear friend of mine, and the Kester family uh, was a moving force in Pompano Beach since its beginning, and then ultimately donating lands for parks and beaches and so forth. But we lost Randy. Um, last Sunday a week ago, and he'll be missed. He served as a city commissioner, vice mayor, and mayor, as his dad did as mayor as well. So prayers for the Kester family. Thank you. Senator Gellin. Yes, commissioner Belgin. <clears throat> Let us also um, honor all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in our armed forces, both here and abroad, and thank them for their service. And with that, please take a moment of silence.
Thank you. Please be seated. Welcome to the November 15th, 2022 commission meeting. Thank you for joining us today. For the record, item 73 will be at a time certain at 11 o'clock and item 58 will be a time certain at 11.15. Items 35 and 66 have been withdrawn for further staff review. Today's music was brought to you by Senator Rich. It is What the World Needs Now is Love by Burt Baccarat and Imagine by John Lennon. Um, also, like just out of order, but it's Vice Mayor, for, uh, Vice Mayor Fisher's birthday is coming up in a few days, so I just wanted to wish him a happy birthday. I was racking my brain trying to figure out what to get a guy like this, but then I saw Commissioner Fur this morning and he gave me something. So I'm going to give him this for a birthday present. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to use it for, but happy birthday, Vice Mayor. I don't know what that, I, I can't think of anything you want to use that for, but if he did, he's got something. All right, couple things. First, I'm going to invite the county administrator down to the well with me. One of the things I wanted to start post-COVID during my mayor term was to honor all of our long-term employees. I get a ton of feedback from all the employees when I'm at the parks, wherever I'm at. And it's, it's, it's really the commission and the county's way to say thank you for all that you do. This is, this is my last one as mayor, so I want to recognize some long-term employees with Monica. Take this minute to get all your selfie cameras ready for when they come up. <laughs> right, so you don't have to slow everything. You can come up and do your selfie, your picture, your family, the whole thing. All right. Okay. Okay. So we've got uh, about 20 or so folks this morning that we get to recognize and, um, and welcome their families as well. We'll start with uh, 20 years of service from the aviation department, Cinderella Lonnan. Over here. Right. Also from aviation, 20 years of service, Trisha Taylor. Once Mark Dale gets him in aviation, he never lets him go. for a moment let's see experience learning turbulence right so maybe. <laughs> all right okay. county attorney ets you want to come down drew for this one uh eric russo <laughs> Yeah. 
job for everybody. All right, I think there's next one is uh, a name that most of us will recognize from our resilient environment department, someone that um, comes to be relied on a lot and will be speaking a little bit later today, Dr. Jennifer Harado. We have another uh, ETS uh, superstar with 20 years of service, Ben Sanchez. on to human services, Nicole Smith. We're going to switch over to Parks and Rec. Kelly Whitney. Now I really have a connection with you, Kelly. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you. So Kelly was uh, responsible uh, for masterminding our executors, uh, executive director's retreat last week. So we're still recovering from that. But we uh, had fun, and she did a great job. Um, from Port Everglades, another 20 years of service, Rodolfo Camacho. From Public Works, Philip Hoder. Then we got, we got Anna over here. 
<laughs> you might. That's coming next. You might. All right. We're going to switch over now to 25 years of service. So someone, um, the auditors sometimes get a bad rap, but you want to come on down? <laughs> we love the auditor and all of the auditors. <laughs> We've got someone uh, that we're going to recognize for 25 years of service, Laura Rogers. All right. Another uh, familiar name to uh, to many of us uh, from ETS, Carol Manamura. So ETS, I guess we don't let them go very quickly. So we have another one here, Salvador Cantor. We're going to switch back to uh, Public Works and recognize David Bartberger for 25 years of service. We're going to stay in Public Works and switch over to Solid Waste and Recycling Services. David Cave. We get to jump over to 30 years of service, and so we all know this oh lady, and, and she gets us all out of pinches a lot of times at the airport. Let's give a round of applause to Selena Salcedo. Let's bring Mark Gale up for that picture. Mark, come on up, Mark. Congratulations, you're off 
they got it. I'm sure this one's going on Twitter. FLF Flyer. FLF Flyer. All right. So we got someone from the county attorney's office here celebrating another 30 years. Candace Running. We're going to switch over to Human Services and welcome and congratulate Mark Dubin. We'll round out the 30-year uh, recognitions with Lorraine Kearney from Parks and Recreation. Next, we're going to j jump to 35 years, and this is another person in the county attorney's office, and this person definitely gets us all out of trouble. <laughs> let's, let's congratulate Jillian Faircloth. Racking up the years. Let's move over to Parks and Rec again. Manuela Chong, 35 years. And so this next individual, I remember my first um, um, agenda report and having to deal with her, and she taught me a few things about how to write an agenda report. Transportation, 35 years, Cindy Corbett Elder.
question. Congratulations. Now, if you can believe it, the mayor's already stole the thunder on this yeah. one, but we've got a 40-year employee today we're going to recognize, Water and Wastewater Services, John Kay. Welcome, Mr. Yeah. So we have another one. We're going to go a little bit out of order. Um, we're going to go backwards a little bit in time. Okay. Um, well, let's just see. Is Trisha Taylor, did she make it back into the chambers? Nope. We'll save her certificate. Either that or I'll take her 20 years. Maybe that will work. All right. Yeah, so this. my pension. There we go. So this next one, we'll go a little bit out of order. And since I know this individual would never come for their tenure recognition, I want to take a point of personal privilege and, and invite Ms. Kim Campbell, our Deputy County Administrator, <laughs> for 10 years of service. <laughs> and now that you've seen our signatures on that, but here you go. <laughs> Thank you to all our hardworking employees throughout the organization. Our first proclamation. Is Apprenticeship Week and it's being presented by Commissioner Steve Geller.
So if we can, just for a moment longer, folks, if I can get your attention for a moment. So it was just brought to our attention by Mr. Tyler that we did not recognize his 20 year of service and we wanted to make sure he had his moment as well. So Tion Tyler, 20 years of service. Okay, our first proclamation is Apprenticeship Week, and it's going to be presented by Commissioner Steve Geller, and it's presented to Valvery Hillsman and James Payne. Uh, can meet him at the at the podium. I believe Roseanne, Roseanne Farino. Roseanne right? I'm sorry. Okay. And the county is familiar with apprenticeships. We've done a lot uh, on this. And let me now uh, read the proclamation. Whereas, I'm sorry, whereas the apprenticeship method of on-the-job training and related classroom instruction is found worldwide and has consistently been proven to be an effective, efficient, an economical way to pass on trade and craft skills and knowledge needed by the builders of a country's economy. And whereas, since being incorporated into state law 60 years ago, Florida's apprenticeship program has successfully taught tens of thousands of students critical industry-defined skills and knowledge, enabling apprentices to take their places as sought-after skilled craftspersons the diversification that helps keep our economy growing by building upon enduring strengths. And whereas those students who complete the apprenticeship program consistently earn as they learn with the guaranteed wage increase as they develop new skills. And whereas research shows that Florida's apprentice, apprentices seldom require public assistance and are likely to remain in the high skill high-wage fields in which they received their training. And whereas, Florida's re registered apprenticeship program in Broward County has trained thousands of apprentices in Broward County. And whereas, the registered apprenticeship system guarantees the availability of a quality workforce trained to the exacting standards of Broward's trades, while at the same time improving the training standards of business and industry, and whereas Broward's construction apprenticeship program welcomes all apprentices 
18 years of age and older without regard to gender or ethnicity, helping Broward's economy to flourish and maintain a competitive age edge nationally and internationally through its diversified workforce. And whereas it is commonly known that the effectiveness and uniqueness of Broward's registered construction apprenticeship program is due in part to the unique cooperation and strong partnerships forged among the business and industry sectors. The apprenticeship program sponsors the educational community and the dedicated, highly motivated students in apprenticeship programs. And whereas registered apprenticeship programs are an essential part of our educational system, and such programs are a critical component in the development and delivery of high caliber and skilled craftspeople needed to continue the growth that has been Florida's hallmark now therefore be proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners that November 14th through 20th, 2022 is recognized as National Apprenticeship Week in Broward County, Florida. And uh, copy for you and copy for you. And um, let me also just briefly say that without the apprenticeships, the at median age, we know everybody needs additional training after high school. It's not all university or college training. Uh, the jobs that you get through apprenticeships are the kind of high paid middle class, upper middle class jobs that built this country that are not exportable to other countries. And if we want to continue our growth, we need more of these jobs. So congratulations. And if Thank either you of you would much. care to make some brief remarks, either or both. Okay, this is unexpected, but yes. thank you very much. Um, we appreciate your support. We have one of the largest apprenticeship programs in Broward County, and we are very happy to accept more and new areas of training. And just let us know what you need, and we're there to help. Thank you very much for this. This is an honor. Thank you. Hello, I'm Valerie Hills, and the state apprenticeship representative. We have in my region here, Broward County, on West Palm Beach. I have over 30, 40 programs, pre-apprenticeship, and we have over, in this region, over 1,500 apprentices, registered apprentices. Um, looking to continue with the, with the, with the um, commissioner here to, exp to um, grow the program. <laughs> thank you. I wasn't expecting any of this, but thank you so much on behalf of the state of Florida. Apprenticeship. Our next proclamation, the Honorable Senator Nan Rich will present a proclamation to Renee Herman for the Harvest Fest Drive. Senator Rich, you have the floor.
Okay, well, this is truly an honor for me to be doing this presentation. I'd like to call up uh, Renee Herman, hey. who is the uh, president and founder of the Harvest Drive, and Amy Freund, and also, I understand your mother's here? Yep, my mom's back there. Please come up. Mom? Mom? <laughs> yeah? And your sister? Amy Sion. And my daughter, Lori? Of course. Okay. So if you please would all come up. Okay, so it's, this is such an honor because uh, our family has been involved with this since the inception. <laughs> and this is the most, one of the most amazing, amazing people in this community. Um, just want to say that uh, um, <laughs> this goes back, uh, well, 30 years is the founding, and uh, 25 years ago, uh, my oldest grandson, Daniel, was at Co uh, Country Isles Elementary School, and uh, that's where this program started, and that's when my daughter first got involved and met her dear friend, uh, Renee. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's amazing, the growth of the program, and uh, it's now in, I believe, 13 districts. The distribution has uh, gone throughout the county, and it's become more than just a harvest drive for Thanksgiving. It's all year round, so, and the proclamation will recognize that. Whereas the Harvest Drive, a grassroots nonprofit organization, was founded by Renee Herman in August of 1992 at Country Isles Elementary School in Weston. What began as a humble effort to teach students the importance of compassion and empathy for others has become a strong force for good. And whereas each November, more than 190 Broward County public schools in collaboration with municipalities, civic organizations, and business partners provide a week's worth of groceries, gift cards, and other items needed to complete, complete Thanksgiving meals for more than 2,400 families. And whereas Harvest Drive's partnership with the Broward County School Board enables the Harvest Drive to impact tens of thousands of lives each year, and whereas the Harvest Drive Boutique serves families that are referred by Broward County Public School social workers throughout the year. The boutique provides an amazing selection of new and gently used clothing, shoes, books, toys, household items, and so forth. Whereas Harvest Drive education uh, educates students on the issue of hunger and empowers them to develop leadership skills and give back to their community. And whereas after 30 years of service, Harvest Drive's reach and impact has grown exponentially with programs year-round, including their backpack program, boutique, food box packet packings, and Thanksgiving Drive. And whereas Broward County saw a sharp increase in the number of families experiencing food insecurity during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the truth is that hunger is scary, uncomfortable, and limiting. And whereas founder and president Renee Herman began Harvest Drive as a way for her own children to give back on Thanksgiving, she has said, quote, I felt there were people in need, and now this has grown into this big organization and involvement with the community, the schools, and the students. This is such a positive experience because families in need are receiving these groceries and the children are learning the lesson of giving back. It's about children helping children, she said. Whereas Harvest Drive has shown that we can work together to help reduce hunger's devastating effects making our community a kinder place to live. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, 
and this is a little bit of a surprise to Renee, that the board hereby designates November 15, 2022 as Renee Herman Day and Harvest Dry Day in Broward County, Florida. While this is happy tears today, I want to thank you so very much, all of you on the commission, for your continued support of our mission. And what Amy, Freund, and I do each and every day, we work very, very hard to make sure that everybody in Broward County that needs our services are taken care of in every way possible. We're able to help them with, like Nan said, with household items, clothing, anything that they need, and of course, food. But the main part of what I started with this was the vision of teaching kids at a young age to give back, learn empathy, and after 30 years, we could honestly say, both of us, that we have empowered so many students. We have students that come back from college every year to do this with us. Why? They learned what it was and how important it is. And now more so these days than it was 20, 30 years ago. For us, and the vision that I've always had, to go in the room and especially being here with you today just to talk about how important it is for students in our community and a lot of those students are recipient families and they come back to help and for me I'm good receiving this today with Amy by my side and knowing that we have your continued support but most of all it's children helping children in our community so we thank you for this honor it means the world to me I have to take this all in after but thank you so much for your continued support we are greatly greatly appreciated Okay, moving right along. That brings us to uh, our reading clerk, Ms. Rivera. Monday night Tuesday slash Tuesday morning memo. You have the floor. 
Tuesday agenda memorandum, the following are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 56. Public hearing items are 57 through 61. Regular items are 62 through 81. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. Withdrawals, deferral, substitutions. Item number 35, withdrawn for further staff review. Item number 66, withdrawn for further staff review. Scrivener's errors, item number 45, exhibit 1, page 1, project description. Agent currently reads, Danae Miskell and Backman LLP should read, Green Spoon Martyr LLP. Item number 68 currently reads, footer on pages 1 through 22 and 25 through 78 of the agreement exhibit 1 are inadvertently missing the footer's reference. Should read, Port Security Officer Services Agreement, paren RFP number GENT2120642P1, uh, page 1 of 24, page 2 of 24, the footer on these pages is appropriately included in the agreement that has been submitted for execution. Additional information. Item number four, signature pages have been received. Item number four, paren two, the board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended and distributed as additional material. Item number seven, exhibit one, page 41, header should be labeled exhibit D. Signature pages have been received. Item number 26, the reference to the related item on the November 15, 2022 meeting agenda was the result of an earlier version of the agenda item being printed after revisions had been made and the related item is scheduled to appear on the December 6, 2022 agenda. Item number 37, the board's consideration of this item is as modified by the revised motion B distributed as additional material. Item number 52, the board's consideration of this item is based on the substitute agenda item replaced in its entirety and, distrib and distributed as additional material. Item number 59, the board's consideration of this item is based on the proposed ordinance as amended by Exhibit 2 as attached to the public hearing item. Item number 67, the board's consideration of this item is based on the modified motions and summary explanation background distributed as additional material. Signature pages have been received. Item number 68, the board's consideration of this item is based on the modified Exhibit 1. Item number 72, the board's consideration of this item is based on the revised Exhibit A to the Declaration of Unity Legal Description, distributed as additional material. Item number 72, paren 2, the board's consideration of this item is based on the substitute attachment 5 to the Resolution Development Agreement, distributed as additional material. Item number 78, signature pages have been received. May I request without objection. Items 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 74, 75, 78, and 79 be moved to consent. Please note time certain item. Item number 73, time certain at 11 a.m. Item number 58, time certain at 11.15 a.m. Additional material regular meeting. Item number four, executed signature pages submitted by Public Works Department. Item number four, paren two, memo to the board submitted by Public Works Department. Item number 37, memo to the board submitted by Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 52, agenda items submitted by County Administration. Item number 62, transcript of public comments submitted by Greg Jacobs, delegation requests. Item number 62, paren two, documents for the record submitted by Greg Jacobs, delegation request. Item number 67, Scrivener's errors submitted by Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 68, Memo to the Board submitted by Finance and, and Administrative Services Department. Item number 72, Revised Exhibit A submitted by County Administration. Item 72, Paren 2, Site Development Agreement submitted by County Administration. Item number 72, Paren 3, Memo to the Board submitted by Office of the County Attorney. Item number 73, Letter from Constituent Gaylord A. Wood Jr. regarding naming of courtrooms submitted by Intergovernmental Affairs Board Section. Additional material public hearing. Item number 61, one proposed amendment submitted by Commissioner Steve Geller. Thank you very much. I will go for uh, commission polls, starting with Commissioner Farr. 70. 70. 7-0. Okay, Senator Rich. None. 
Uh, Vice Mayor Fisher. Nothing there. Senator Geller. Uh, 30, 78, and 79 for an extension. 30, 78, and 79 for an extension. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Ryan, any polls? No polls. Commissioner Bogan. Polls 17 and 18. Um, one of Done. That's uh, sir, uh, uh, County maybe. 17 and 18. That's it. County Attorney. Nothing County Administrator. Nothing. Public. There were yeah. There were no other public. County Auditor. Nothing. Sir. Okay. Um, Drew, would you like to read what we have on consent now? Yes, sir. Thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> the consent agenda is items number one through 56. Less the following items. Uh, items 17 and 18 were pulled uh, by Commissioner Bogan. Uh, item 30 was pulled by Commissioner by Senator Geller. Uh, item 35 was withdrawn. Uh, and then adding to the consent are items 68, 69, 71, 72, 74, and 75. I'll accept a motion. I have a motion. I have a motion by Senator Geller. Is there a second? Second. Second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes 7 to 0. That brings us to agenda item number 17. Uh, if, if you're leaving now, let me give you a second. If you're leaving after the consent to take off. Have a beautiful day. Happy Thanksgiving. Commissioner Bogan, item 17. You pulled it, sir. You have the floor. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, first of all, to our city uh, county attorney. Um, 17 and 18 is just right now just set for to be on a public hearing. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So I just wanted uh, uh, the commissioners to know that um, this is a situation where uh, an area in my district uh, where homes are one home per acre. They want now to expand it to five homes an acre. I think if you bought a home where it had acre properties and now somebody wanted to come in and put five homes per acre, you might be problem. might be a problem. The community has been uh, opposing this. Uh, however, um, Mr. Mealy and his client are trying to work things out and come to some type of agreement. Um, I'm going to move it just to, to for the set for the hearing for next time, hoping hope the community will come to an agreement. But I just wanted to make a statement that, as of today, I would not I would not be voting for this, uh, based on the community and their desires. Anyway, I'll move it now. Okay. So, we're, are you moving 17 and 18? Yes. Okay. So, a motion to set for public hearing has been made by Commissioner Bogan, second by Senator Geller on items 17 and 18. All in favor of setting this for public hearing, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. Agenda item number 30. Senator Geller, you have the floor, sir. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I'd like to ask some questions of county staff on this item, on item 30. Uh, well, yes. If it helps determine who uh, from staff to ask. Ralph Stone does, is going to come up. Okay, does item 30, does this include closing the um, a lane of traffic for uh, bike paths? 
It includes it includes a lane elimination. Yes, sir. That was in the original uh, interlocal from 2019. Okay. I probably vote. Uh, you don't have a map of that area, do you? Uh, I don't have a cross section. No, sir. But okay. right now it's uh, one lane in each direction: a center turn lane, uh, painted bike lanes, and sidewalks. And the intent is to basically do a complete streets application, which includes a lane, lane elimination. Okay. Um, I don't mind being outvoted, but I've been very clear on this for the last six years. While I support putting in bike lanes where they can be put in, I believe that in South Florida, people use bikes primarily for recreation and for exercise and not as a means of transit because of our rain, because of the heat. And I think it is a mistake for us to be closing lanes of traffic to put in bikes. I will ask the commissioners, I mean, I rode in this morning. I certainly did not see any bicyclists on my route in. I occasionally see one. It is such a rarity. I mean, I might see one, except on weekends, when there are mass quantities of them in spandex. Or yeah, but, you, but you go and knock them down. That's why you don't see them. But I continue to assert that it is a mistake to close lanes of traffic that are used for transit to put in bike paths. I think bike paths should go in where there's room to add them, but I think it's a mistake to clone lanes of traffic. And I've consistently voted against this, and I'm going to vote against it again today. Thank you. And it's okay if I'm outvoted. Commissioner Bogan, followed by Commissioner Ryan. So I just want to clarify. So you're saying that by voting against this, it would make it so um, that they could not put bike lanes in? On, on certain streets? No. This is a something on a specific uh, proposal in the city of Fort Lauderdale where they are proposing to close one or more lanes of traffic Which, so that they can add. What, what streets are we talking about? I this asked is, if uh, I could see a map. Northeast 4th North Street Fourth between Avenue. Sunrise and 13th. Uh, the, the actual cross-section is already in place. F dot uh, conducted the lane elimination some time ago. So, uh, if, if you if you drive that that section which I did this morning, just to confirm what it was, it's one lane in each direction, a center turn lane, and the edges are really where most of the work is going to be be done. So they widen the sidewalks, kind of improve the the bike lane situation, and dress up the street. So, I mean, I agree uh, with, with you know with Commissioner Geller saying if it's a busy street. Uh, we need more traffic lanes, not more bike lanes. But is it a busy? I don't know if it's a busy street. I have no I, idea. I don't know the details on this. I was just the county staff knows that whenever there's going to be something that is eliminating lanes of traffic to put in bike lanes to alert me so that I can raise this issue. And this eliminates I've been voting this way. And this for eliminates six years. a lane of traffic. No, Actually, the, the lane of traffic has already, already been eliminated. Yeah. Uh, what, but it is an extension of the project that uh, approved that lane elimination. FDOT actually did the lane, lane elimination. All right, so you say it's already been eliminated. Yeah, sorry, yes, sorry. So by voting against this, would then be more traffic? Would it be another traffic lane inserted instead? No, no. it would just uh, 
It would put the funding for the city at risk because we're only two months out and they're still in a permitting so process. Steve, with and it doesn't body. accomplish your goal. I am making a point that I voted against this the first time it came up because right. I vote against this every time it comes up. I don't think we should be eliminating lanes of traffic. They add bike lanes. And right. I will vote against this basically every time. Maybe if there's a two-block stretch in a downtown area where they're trying to put in windy roads. But other than that, I think this is a mistake. So I am <clears throat> consistent with my vote. Okay. Commissioner Ryan. Mr. Stone, is the, the purpose of this uh, lane elimination, um, other than, um, you know, offering a bike lane, does it also uh, facilitate uh, off-street parking or, you know, some kind of access to the commercial structures on 4th Avenue. What, what is the other purpose? It increases the uh, width of the sidewalks on either side and improves them in, in terms of landscaping and does include bike lanes on either side. Uh, does it also facilitate uh, uh, placement of any uh, of our mass transit uh, bus stops? No, sir. In that location? Okay. No. So, so we have an 11 o'clock time, sir, and I'm happy to debate this for even more, but this is something that so Senator Geller yeah, was just going to make a comment on. I, if, if we can vote on it, let's vote and see if there's, maybe he convinced everybody, but this is something that the city's asking for, that the CRA is asking for. I'll accept a motion to approve by somebody. I have Senator Rich. I have uh, Vice Mayor on the second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes six to one. Excuse that me, brings Mayor. us to. I just want to say, to Commissioner, I would support what you want if they said, but now that they said it's already been removed and everything's already been placed. Right. <laughs> that brings us to our time certain. I know we have Commissioner Moskowitz being beamed in from our nation's capital, right? He's beaming in. Beam me in, Jared. That brings us to Hello, agenda Jared. item number 73. Is Jared here? He's on. Okay. I know he's a Star Wars guy, and he said he's beam me in, Jared. Mayor, Mayor, can well, we can we have um, up a Star Commissioner track. Moskowitz provide FYI. some kind of update on the vote count over there in the House? <laughs> <laughs> so we have first. We're going to discuss item number seventy-three. But before we do, I know we have. This is Commissioner Moskowitz's last meeting, and he's at orientation up in and uh, DC. So I know you're not here, Jared, but we did have a plaque signed by um, everyone on the county commission. I'm not going to read the whole thing because you'll be able to hang this in your living room uh, when you get home, but I'll, I'll just read through the, some of it. Um, Jared has been a long dedicated and quality public servant, uh, quality public service and accomplished so much in his past 15 years. He served as a Parkland city commissioner a Florida State Representative, a Florida Division of Emergency Management Director, and a Broward County Commissioner. Jared is a Broward County native, born in Coral Springs, graduated from GW University, and earned his law degree at Nova Southeastern University. Jared Moskowitz took a lead position in saving lives in Florida when he accepted the appointment from Governor DeSantis to serve as the Director of Emergency Management in response to the COVID-19 global pandemic. Jared has a long history and expertise in disaster recovery and response. 
as former general counsel and vice president of business development for a national disaster recovery firm. Jarrah supported response and recovery efforts in Florida after Hurricane Irma, Matthew, Michael, and Hermine. Early recovery efforts for Michael were notably slow, and Jared was credited with speeding up the process and securing a 90% reimbursement from the federal government. Jared Moskowitz has also been a tireless advocate for school safety following the tragic shooting at MSD. As the only MSD graduate serving in the Florida legislature at the time, Jared helped draft the bipartisan Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Safety Act. In the past year, Jared has represented the residents of Broward County Commission District 8, which includes the Broward Municipal Service District, parts of Coconut Creek, Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale Lakes, Lauder Hill, Margate, North Lauderdale, Oakland Park, Plantation, Pompano Beach, Tamarack, and Wilton Manors. Jared and his wife Leah are the proud parents of two boys, Sam and Max. On a personal note, I personally have watched Jared I've been at his law school graduation. I was, with, with, I was in Jared's wedding party at his wedding when he got married. Wow. Yeah. I was at the bris of both of his children. Um, I was there. He's a, he's a very close friend of Stacy and I. My daughter babysat for his children. I know Jared and Leah my, their whole lives, basically. Uh, the board hereby commends Jared for his achievements and accomplishments with Broward County government throughout the state and hereby proclaims Tuesday, November 15th as Jared E. Moskowitz Appreciation Day in Broward County, Florida. And since he's not in Broward County today, he can't do anything on the 15th, but he still gets a day. And that's on behalf of all of us in the county commission. Well, thank you, Mayor. I'm just happy to be appreciated. He can see us standing. Um, Jared, you want to say a couple words and then we'll go into your item. Thank you, Mayor. Can you hear me? Yes. So first, let me say thank you, uh, you Mayor. Uh, second opportunity to serve with you, first in Parkland and now on the commission. Uh, you've done a fantastic job as mayor as you close out uh, your term. I think uh, the county is better off for it. And, it. and it was an opportunity of a lifetime to serve with such quality commissioners, people with real experience both in life, in business, uh, and in public service. Um, and so I, I really think the Broward County Commission has uh, some of the most experienced people serving together. Uh, and, and it's also a board... And it's also a board that gets along. We see a lot of these municipal governments where commissioners don't get along, and it creates animosity, which hurts the residents we serve. And this board does not have that. Uh, and that's a credit to all of you. Uh, I want to thank, uh, you know, my staff. You know, they've been fantastic, uh, you know, doing a, doing a lot of the heavy lifting, especially because, obviously, I was running for office uh, the latter part of my commission term. And I want to thank administration. Um, you know, Monica's doing a fantastic job. She did a fantastic job as deputy. She's leading the county uh, in excellent ways. And there is so much exciting things to happen uh, in Broward County uh, to come. And I know uh, under her leadership uh, and under the leadership of the county. Yeah, he got in <laughs> our leadership. <laughs> right. 
So what Where's I was going to say is January 3rd, I'll be sworn in, and I'll be here to help you guys uh, with a lot of the big projects uh, that Broward has planned. So uh, thank you, Mayor. I really appreciate the honor. Thank you, uh, Congressman-elect Moskowitz, and we look forward to your swearing in. With that, I know everyone sends their regards. We're going to go to your item, item number 73. We have two members from the public to speak. I'm sorry. We're... What? Oh, Commissioner Bogan. I'm going to go to Commissioner Bogan. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Commissioner Bogan, you have the floor. I, uh, I'm honored to, uh, to um, ask this commission to name a courtroom after Mike Moskowitz. Um, for those who, who did not know Mike, uh, you're talking about a person with integrity, honesty, and somebody that is known to help people in need. Um, there's so many people that said, Mike helped me, Mike did this for me. He gave to his community in so many ways, tried to, to even talk to many of us about policies he felt was good for the community. And, um, and the reason I, I want to name a courtroom rather than something else is because he was one of the best litigators in Broward County. Uh, next year I'll be a lawyer for 40 years. I've gotten the opportunity to meet lawyers and see lawyers, and, um, and he was one of the best litigators in Broward County. Just ask anybody who does litigation. And um, I think it's pretty apropos that, you know, in, in, without, without litigators, there's nothing to be done in a courtroom. And, um, and so uh, I think it's, it's just right that we uh, nominate him, uh, nominate uh, to have a courtroom named after him. And um, I'll leave it at that. And thank you. Two members of the public to speak. First is Mr. Wood, and second is Mr. Singer. I thought I saw Mr. Singer here. Good morning. Mr. Wood, you have the floor for three minutes, sir. Yes, uh, Mayor, Commissioners, and almost the honorated uh, uh, Mr. Meskowitz. By the way, unfortunately, I have had a stroke and something called aphasia, which is nasty. And it's difficult for me to talk now, so uh, we'll try to do the best I can. I have been an attorney in Broward County since 1962. I have been the uh, city attorney of, Por of Parkland. I was the uh, you know, Broward County appraiser for thir 37 years. And uh, I have nothing bad word to say about Mike. And uh, in fact, I had a large sign on his office uh, just recently. And it, it, it should be wonderful that Mike would be honored by this uh, commissioner. But the bad thing is that Mike was never a judge. Judges are uh, glad it mattered, and so some are newsers, some are uh, winners. And uh, I would be very upset if I were at a uh, at the courthouse against somebody in this uh, 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 this sign, and there would be a. Uh, uh, a group saying from that term, 
that they are uh, having uh, a mister. It's we have had wonderful attorney uh, attorneys in here who have been in the trenches, uh, such as uh, Red Ryan, Carl uh, uh, Hyacin, Dwight uh, Rogers. We've had uh, George Allen. We've had John Lloyd, Mike Satt, uh, Howard from Broward. And uh, are we going to have any of those people as judges? No. What you should do is find a way to honor anybody and not a courtroom. And if there's anything that, uh, that would uh, do this, the judges should be by the, not by you. You're in here mostly to keep out of the court, uh, not to be in there. And the judges are there. And so uh, with that, I suggest that you not this. Uh, there we have people. I had uh, uh, Carl Schuster dead. We had, uh, you know, so many people that uh, we could honor. And, but it should not be with a courtroom. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Singer. Good morning. Um, I don't agree with that, but uh, you probably would. <laughs> but it surmised uh, that. I uh, come in front of you, uh, Mayor and Commissioners, uh, uh, for two purposes uh, this morning. Um, first, naming things, courtrooms, after important people and prominent people is something that should be done. Um, and secondly, you couldn't find a more worthy person than uh, my friend uh, Mike Moskowitz. Um, naming things for, uh, for people is important. We know this in Hollywood, uh, Commissioner Beam, for as you were around when we took the names of some of the streets uh, that were named after Confederate generals off of uh, off those names off because uh, uh, the Confederate generals stood for insurrection against uh, the United States and uh, and uh, and they were proponents of uh, furthering slavery. So it's important. Uh, na naming stuff is important. Now as to uh, Michael Moskowitz. Um, I'm just going to use what we used at, uh, at uh, NSU Law when we um, came up with a proclamation when, uh, when we lost Mike Moskowitz. He was uh, on the board of governors with, uh, with me for uh, 15 years. And here are some of the things that we said about him, and then I'll, then I'll sit down. Uh, whereas uh, Mike Moskowitz uh, handled legal issues with impeccable character and integrity while winning the respect of all from U.S. presidents to his loyal clients. Uh, whereas Michael Moskowitz gave of his time and money to causes he believed in, like Temple Beth uh, Torah uh, in Tamarack, Soref, JCC, Jewish Federation, and as I said, the uh, uh, NSU Law 
Shepherd School of uh, School of Law. And this, uh, Jared, if you're listening, Michael would appreciate this the most. When the uh, Sun Sentinel called Michael in their obituary of him the go-to lawyer to get things done. He's a worthy candidate of uh, naming anything in this county after him, and I miss him every day, and I hope you vote uh, to name the, uh, the courtroom after Michael. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes our public speakers. Um, I'll accept a motion from Commissioner Bogan as is his item. I'd like to move it, please. Thank you. It's moved by Commissioner Bogan, second by Senator Geller. Any debate? All in favor. I'm adding Commissioner Ryan as a co-sponsor. I'm adding Senator Geller as a co-sponsor. Okay, that makes the vote is going to be made a lot easier right now. <laughs> <laughs> All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. I'm going to assume that Mr. Moskowitz, if he's on, has abstained from this vote. He, might <laughs> he doesn't have to by law, but I'm going to say that Jared has abstained from this vote. And it's one, two, three, seven approvals, one abstention uh, to name a courtroom in the Skip Campbell Courthouse, who was not a judge, after Michael W. Moskowitz. Congratulations. Thank you. And right on time, it's 11.15, that brings us up to our next time certain, which is agenda item number 58. Um, and I believe that's in C Commissioner Beam Fur's district, so I'll recognize Commissioner Fur. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, yeah, it's public oh, it's public hearing, so uh, yeah, okay. let's do the public hearing right. spiel. The public hearing on item number 58 is now open. Item 58 is a motion to enact ordinance creating Article 12 of Chapter 21 of the County Code of Ordinances establishing anchoring limitation areas in Hollywood. Eight members of the public have signed up to speak. Got it. Commissioner Furr, if you'd like to set the table, and then I'll invite the public. Sounds, it sounds good. Uh, first of all, I want, I want to thank the attorneys, both ours and from the city of Hollywood. This has been, they've been working on this for uh, over a year, maybe two years now as well as the city commission. Uh, the mayor is here today, uh, I'm sure, to speak in favor of this. Uh, it, has been, it has been a long process. This, this is going to be a pilot project, and I think that's important. This is just something we're going to be trying out. In for anybody who knows Hollywood, and you know where a lot of boats anchor, North Lake, South Lake, um, it has gotten a little out of control. And there's been a lot of derelict vessels there. Unfortunately, because they're unregulated, there's a lot of stuff going into the water that probably shouldn't be going on, uh, some environmental issues. So the state legislature passed an ordinance to allow for something like this. It had some glitches, and I want to thank Dan West for also helping on this to look at it. How do we make this good for this county? Um, so with that, I think it's probably a good time to listen to the public, then we can go from there. Okay, our first speaker is uh, Commissioner Carol Shuham. Is she here yet? Oh, there she is. And just so I can say, uh, Commissioner Shuham has been very instrumental yeah. in this, and as as a lawyer herself has has been looking over every detail. Commissioner, you have the floor, and on deck is uh, Brent Speckler. Thank you very much, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioners, County Attorney. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak today. 
Uh, my name again is Carol Shuham. I'm a commissioner for District 1 in the city of Hollywood. Uh, this encompasses the two lakes in question uh, for this particular agenda item and ordinance. Um, over the past several years, since the state preempted um, cities from controlling unlimited anchoring, the city of Hollywood's lakes have suffered tremendous damages, both environmentally and concerns for safety and health. Uh, you have seen photos. I think they were sent to everybody here. These locations are filled with decrepit, mal malfunctioning boats, and the problem gets worse year after year. It is an unsustainable situation, putting incredible demands on our Hollywood Police Department. <clears throat> Thankfully, immediately after the passage of the 2021 amendment to State Statute 327.4108, your county attorney set out to work with the City of Hollywood to implement the ordinance before you. It was a significant endeavor for which our residents are very grateful. Together, Hollywood and Broward County have crafted a solution. And with the support of the industry, including Boat US and others, we very much appreciate the work of the county and all of the time, effort, and cooperation to get here today. Because of the efforts of the county attorney, the city attorney, and others, our police department anticipates significant improvements in the condition of the two lakes. Officer LaPierre from our Marine Unit and our assistant uh, police chief, Jeff Devlin, are here today to confirm this. Among the other improvements, among the improvements anticipated is the opportunity for off, uh, our police officers, whoop, excuse me, many, many benefits. Uh, so I just want to say thank you so much. We strongly support this new ordinance and hope that all of you will too. Thank, thank you. you, Commissioner. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Brent Speckler and then our on deck after Mr. Brent Speckler is Terry Cantrell. Good morning, everyone. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the Broward County Commission Mayor, Vice Mayor, for looking at this and considering this ordinance with the anchoring limitation area and working with the City of Hollywood. It's much appreciated. I'm a Broward County resident uh, since 1955. I live in the Hollywood Lake, North Lake, since 1994. And there's two things I want to speak about. I thought I had three minutes, so I have two. But one of the big problems we have is with the disposal of human waste from these boats. Approximately 30 of the 50 boats in North Lake do not pump out their feces and urine. The other 20 boats are derelict boats. According to Officer LaPierre, the Marine officer at Hollywood Marina, he states that only one boat out of 50 actually pumps out their boat. And yes, there are a couple boats that actually use the porta potty, but they take that porta potty and they dump it into the dumpster at the Hollywood Marina, and you can only imagine the smell that emanates from that and the, and the flies that come from that. So that's not really causing a solution either. And for those of you that are not boaters, the Coast Guard mandates that you must dump your, uh, your urine and feces out, pump it out at least three miles out in the ocean from any shoreline in the United States, where there's a $250 minimum fine. So due to these irresponsible boaters, the North Lake is full of bacteria E. coli. Can you imagine 30 boats pumping feces in urine five times a day, 150 times a day, or a week, times uh, 56? 52 weeks is, is 55,000 flushes per year in our beautiful lake of North and South, South Lake, Florida. The responsible boater should be showing proof of timely pump outs and not polluting our waterways. 
I know the Broward County Commission takes the environment for the city, for the tourists, very seriously. And uh, we're hoping that, uh, that that's part of the uh, process in mandating these boats in North Lake. The other issue is hurricanes. These are missiles flying at us any time. They can do severe damage to the residents of North and South Lake and also the marina. Thank you for letting me take this time with you. Thank you, sir. Our next speaker is Terry Cantrell. And on deck after Terry Cantrell is Rick Legow. Thank you very much, Mayor, Commission, Terry Cantrell, the Hollywood Lakes resident, also the president of the Hollywood Lakes Civic Association here today, uh, today speaking on behalf of that group, as well as all the neighbors in North and, and South Lake. Uh, this is something we've been dealing with for many, many years now. Uh, as Commissioner Furr said, this is something that just hasn't happened overnight. A few years ago, we might have had mm, half a dozen or so boaters come down during the winter and maybe drop anchor for a few days here and there. Now, today, there's 40 boats, vessels in North Lake. There's about a dozen in South Lake. A lot of those in North Lake are derelict, as you just heard. Some uh, do not operate. Uh, it, to make matters worse, the city of Hollywood has a beautiful piece of property called Sailors Point on North Lake Drive. Sailors Point is leased to the Fort Lauderdale Bay Gulfstream Sailing Club, where that group conducts sailing classes, mostly for children. There's nowhere to sail anymore. There's nowhere to sail. The kids have nowhere to sail. And to make matters even worse for the kids, they are accosted by some of the squatters out there because the students are getting too close to their junk boats. I mean, listen, folks, if there was ever a no-brainer item on your menu tonight, it is this one right here. And we please, we please appreciate your support. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Rick Legow. Is Rick here? If you agree with everyone a previous speaker says, you could say wave in support and we can go on to the, but you all have your right to speak. Okay. Uh, my name is Rick Legal. I'm a Broward resident. I live in Hollywood, Florida. I've been a boater for over 40 years. I'd like to talk about what's at risk uh, in North and South Lakes. Uh, North and South Lakes have essentially been uh, uh, recreational water parks for the past 50 years enjoyed by residents in all cities. Both lakes are quite unique. North Lake has traditionally been used for non-powered water sports such as kayakers, canoers, sailors, dragon boats, uh, etc. People who just enjoy the beauty and calmness and openness of North Lake. On the other hand, South Lake has been used, it's been a water park for powered water sports, water skiing, uh, uh, tubing, jet skiing, wave running, and wave boarding. Both lakes have for decades been where families have brought their children to have fun and at the same time learning to appreciate and respect the gift of being on the water. But unfortunately, over the past several years, this has all changed for the worse. Today, the lakes have been hijacked by irresponsible boat owners and are now filled with permanently or semi-permanently stored and anchored boats, many decaying, derelict, dumping human waste overboard, unable to power themselves or maneuver poorly or not maintained at all, uh, at risk of sinking or having sunk, creating environmental hazards. These irresponsible boat owners have effectively squeezed out the traditional lake users making what was once an open shared space too dangerous for anyone or for any of these water activities to continue anymore. I support open access for all responsible boaters to our public waterways and therefore do support 
the mayor and commissioner passing the anchoring limitation ordinance. But I also request that the mayor and commissioner do all they can do to make sure that these laws, as well as all others, are enforced so that we can create the balance uh, for all uh, stakeholders in North and South Lake. Thank you. Thank you. Rick Ligo? No, that was Rick. I'm sorry. Jonathan Katzen. And then on deck is Bradford Peterson, who says he's for questions only, but I'm assuming that's a mistake, and he's here to speak also. Good morning, Commissioners. I'm Jonathan Katzen, President of the Marine Trawlers Owners Association. I'd like to thank you very much for following uh, Florida law. Our coalition of boating groups, the Marine Trawlers Owners Association, the Great Loop Association, the DeFevers Association, uh, the SSCA, have all worked to create these anchoring limitations and areas um, that, that have been identified. We've worked with the stakeholders at the F FWC, local Florida municipalities, and the Florida legislature. We look forward to working together on this ordinance. Thank, Thank you very you, much. Thank you, sir. Uh, Bradford Peterson, you're listed for questions only, but I'm assuming that's a mistake. Maybe not. Paul Alcock. Good morning, all the members of the commission. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this. Um, I'm a responsible boat owner, a member of the Hillsborough Inlet Sailing Club, where we have at least 100 sailboats, all at people's residence. Um, we appreciate that the North and South Lake is a tremendous resource that we use. Um, if we are going from our areas which extend from up in Palm Beach all the way down to Miami, our members belong to those areas, uh, if they go from those areas down to Miami, they're probably going to make a stop at, at the North Lake and South Lake and other lakes in Broward County such as Sunrise Bay. Um, we really appreciate the fact that you are concerned about the quality of the vessels that are anchoring and extended anchoring. We, we've seen situations where because of extended anchoring there is no more room because someone plants their boat there, big boat, they're on an 80-foot chain and that takes up most of a lake. And so we appreciate the fact that you guys are working to make this a reasonable environment and a healthy environment. I would say that it doesn't seem, I didn't see anything in any of the documentation on this subject about how you're going to minimize the effluent that you're discussing. Uh, if your boat is there for 45 days, trust me, he cannot keep all the poop on board for 45 days. So it's important that you have some method of being able to maintain that. And as a responsible boat owner who regularly goes three miles offshore and dumps out or uses one of the very few pump-out facilities that are available in Florida, I would suggest that you should consider adding to this a method of giving the boats the opportunity to pump out. You know, it doesn't matter. If they're going to be there for 45 days, they've got to pump out. Thank you, and I appreciate the comments that are made in the ordinance. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Jeff? Cherkis. And then our last speaker will be Mayor Josh Levy. Good morning. I'm a member of the um, local boating community, sailing community, and just want to bring to your attention the fact that uh, transient vessels 
that come and go from their uh, docks to waypoints far away uh, are often held up by weather or other factors uh, preventing them from reaching their destination either inbound or outbound and need safe anchorage, safe harbor uh, to be able to anchor locally in the waterways. So while not being derelict vessels, active vessels, uh, uh, maneuverable vessels, uh, they need to be provided this opportunity. So to restrict these vessels uh, from being able to anchor for several days would be inappropriate. Extended, we understand and we certainly support. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our last speaker is Mayor Levy, and then I will close to the public and open to back to Commissioner Furr and the County Commission. Welcome, Mayor Levy. All right, well, great to be here. Thank you all. Uh, this is, as you heard from the other speakers, uh, certainly a, a very welcome and uh, long effort uh, that's before you. And really credit to the state of Florida. I want to also credit our Commissioner Carol Shuham and uh, the state uh, representative who uh, sponsored this, Tina Polsky, along with a, a Republican uh, state senator from Jacksonville who all agreed together with the state uh, that in urban areas where there's significant residential docking facilities and as well uh, significant recreational boating traffic it is certainly good policy to uh, restrict boats from being anchored there uh, for more than 45 days at a time and that's what this ordinance does it, it doesn't at all impact those boats that need safe harbor on their way to the Keys uh, because you can anchor still here with this ordinance in North Lake and South Lake for 45 days uh, in a six-month period. So really what this is getting at is long-term stored boats that are there to really just set anchor. And you heard, within one of our bodies of water, over 40 boats right now. Uh, imagine what that does to the sailing school, the rowing clubs, and everything else, and recreational boating. On top of that, the residential docks, the, the Hollywood Marina, and the boat ramps are all in the same area. And so the navigation there is really risky, and it's really a problem. This uh, attempts to do what we can under this state law to do uh, to, uh, to limit that. The city would like to have more opportunity to, to limit those activities, but we, we have to live within the confines of the state statute. Uh, and that gives you the authority as the county to enact that because we know our bodies of water best. So uh, obviously we're all in support of this, and I think it's very significant to recognize that uh, Boat US, which is a recreational boating uh, consortium that represents over 800,000 boaters in Florida, support this ordinance and, su and supported the state legislation that brought this forward. It took a lot of work to craft something that the boaters and the municipalities and government would, would uh, live with because we know boating is a central part to our life here in Florida like it is for me. And you heard about you know the public safety issues, uh, the environmental issues, um, and this is really uh, all the more important because on item 29 that you approved the mooring field at the county park, we don't want those long-term stored boats to now make their way to even exacerbate the issues in the lakes even worse. So for a lot of reasons, this is great, uh, and it'll give us another tool to, to help to uh, keep safe waterways. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mayor. Mr. Mayor. I'm going to recognize Question. Commissioner Furr, then I'll okay. add you to you guys. Before you left. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, Question. Mayor Levy. Mayor Levy. If you can come back. I have a question for, for you and possibly administration. Um, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I had one minor concern on this. I, I personally would have liked the state law to go further. I think that all, for all of the problems that you have explained, and again, I would have liked the state law to go further, I think it does limit us to a certain amount. And the only concern I have is I think that many of the other coastal communities will also will want to take advantage of this. I think that Hollywood is taking up over 40% of the total on this one 
issue. Have you spoken with the other cities? And let me ask uh, administration as well, because I agree that this is important. It's, a, it's an issue, again, my fault is not with what you're doing. Sure. It's with the state law that I think should be going further and permitting this in more locations. So right. uh, the question so is happy to, to you happy to speak and to county staff, I guess both, as to whether or not um, if we, if I don't know what the exact number is, but yeah. if you've worked with other cities and so according to the cases. staff, according to the staff report and the item, uh, these two bodies of water, and mind you, these are some of the largest bodies of water in all of Broward County's waterways. Okay. Um, and so while the limitation exists of 10% of the total uh, waterways, uh, this, according to the staff report, being about 43%, I don't, I, and if you look at the, the map of the waterways in Broward County, you won't find bodies of water this wide um, and this densely populated with residential and other marine activities that uh, will, I think, even exceed the, the limitation of the 10%. It sounds like a large number, 43% here, but this is basically all of South Broward's waterways that are subject to this activity are here. Uh, and in, in, uh, in north, of the, north of Port Everglades, I don't know that there's too many you know, uh, bodies of water within the waterways of Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach that have significant activity like this. Like, it, there's none that have 40, 60 boats at a time. And I don't think that if you add those, the acreage that they make up will ever exceed the 10%. So the other mayors haven't said you're hogging all of our. Well, I've I've actually uh, you know shared with delight and to the excitement of the other mayors uh, that that we have this uh, state uh, legislation that we sponsored and we pushed for the city of Hollywood and I think they'd be eager to look to see if that's applicable and proper for their waterways as well. But this is a start uh, and certainly is an exciting opportunity. Even though I think the real solution is a mooring field that really allows you to to regulate the anchorage and the, the effluent uh, disposal and things like that. But I want you to know that Broward County's Manatee Protection Plan, which is over 10 years old uh, and hasn't been updated, uh, limits the numbers of slips, as you all know, that could be issued in South Broward County. And that also counts against or makes impossible the creation of a mooring field, which would have been another way to handle this. Um, a mooring field, each buoy is considered a slip. And because the Manatee Protection Plan hasn't been updated, uh, there is not an opportunity to create a mooring field here for the city even, uh, or enlarge our marina. And so that's something that maybe perhaps you all might want to take up in the future. I'm satisfied. Thank you. Right, Commissioner Bogan. As a follow-up to Commissioner um, Geller, uh, both uh, Commissioner Fisher, myself, and I'm not sure, you know, others do uh, represent communities that, with coastal areas, and I'm totally supportive of what Hollywood wants to do. However, I just wanted to ask staff directly, what cities has staff contacted and informed? So we represent different coastal cities. I, I want to make sure they go, well, um, they know about it. So I guess, Lenny, yeah, you're going to answer yeah, that question? He, I was just trying to get his attention um, because I know that staff has made contact and he can Great. he can speak to that. Great. Yes, so we, we did make contact with all the cities that have areas eligible for these angering limitation areas. And the only one that we've heard back from was um, Pompano, who did say that they were interested in doing it. They had about 35 acres that they thought that might be, you know, appropriate for this. And then the city of Fort Lauderdale had previously reached out to us with somewhere around 100 to 114 acres. Do you know so, what percentage we're talking about? 35 acres is what percent of the capacity? So, so right now the the total capacity is like 360 something acres. So it's. 10%, less, little less than 10% oh, that, that Pompano would be using. And then Fort Lauderdale would be using something on the order of 30%. 
And so we would still have excess available limitation areas after those three so were the if, board if, to approve if that. Commissioner Geller's number is right at 40% for Hollywood, 30% for Pompano, uh, Fort, Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale. and 10%, yes. that's 80%. Yes, so we'd still have some availability after those three. And none of the other cities that we reached out to uh, responded requesting. So you reached out to Deerfield Beach? Yes, yes, okay. we did. Um, all right. That's fine. As long as, as long as you reached out, you, you can have Parkland was... and Coral Springs section. I'll, I'll that <laughs> yes, sir. Commissioner Ryan, and then Vice Mayor, and then we'll bring in. Uh, letting, yes. if you'll stay at the podium. Yes, sir. So, um, I, it's my understanding that the uh, calculation of the um, you know acreage for navigable waters for this uh, particular item um, are those areas that are east of a fi fixed bridge. But I mean. Under my understanding of a navigable waterway, you know, they, uh, the waterways that are west of the fixed bridges are also navigable waterways. So how does that kind of interface with this, with this state statute on what the total available acreage is in Broward County? So the waterways westward of the fixed bridges are eligible for this designation as well, and we could you know, it's always, it's a board decision, right? You, you could theoretically reallocate the westward anchoring limitation areas to the east, and that might get us another, I think we'd go to 430 acres under that scenario instead of the 369. So there would be more area available if you were to take it from the, the western areas and give it to the eastern areas. And, um, I mean, what, what would be the factors we're going to consider if we were to do that expansion? Because, you know, for me, it's like, you know, how far uh, west can you move and still have like an effective, you know, tidal flush? So, um, you know, is, is that kind of what is, is part of our calculations or our uh, decision making here? So our initial um, take on this was to identify the, wet, the eastward areas and then come up with a number and then give you a sense of what this particular request would be in relation to that total, as well as try to reach out to the other cities and see if we were going to hit up against the, you know, the, the limit. And then were we to get close to the limit, then we, we could come back. If we had someone asking, we could reach out to all of the westward municipalities, see if they're interested, and the board could make a decision about whether or not it would want to entertain transferring that to the east. And then, of course, we could add that to the calculation and, you know, continue to designate more areas. I would think also that, you know, obviously every year the legislature, you know, amends the state statutes. And so it's possible that if this were successful and it were working well, perhaps the state would consider increasing it to 15 or 20 percent or something like that, which we could also work on were that the board's preference. Thank you. You're welcome. I have Commissioner you, Mayor. Mayor Fisher, and then I'm going to go to... Yeah, and thank you, Lenny, for, for doing that reach out as I talked to several of the cities in District 4. And what I want Commissioner Bogan to understand, too, is, you know, this, is, this sounded like a lot, 162 acres of the 381, mm -hmm. um, but we have the, the vehicle that we can terminate for convenience. So if something that we exceeded, that we could come back and we could readdress it to hopefully accommodate all the other municipalities... Yes. along the coastal line so we have that vehicle available to us but i think this is an amazing item thanks for the city of hollywood for all your efforts and continue to working with your law enforcement and so forth so i'm going to support it because i have that opportunity that if we do need to make some tweaks and changes we can do it thank you that's right commissioner for if you thank you mayor and I, just, I, I do want to thank all the speakers the mayor commissioner for coming out today 
Um, I think this is a very good piece of legislation, legislation well thought out. And to Commissioner uh, or Vice Mayor Fisher's point, this is a pilot project. It gives us a chance if we need to tweak things later to make sure that, there, that there's capability across the county, I think that can be done. So with that, I'd like to make a motion to approve. I have a, I have a motion by uh, Commissioner Furr, second by Senator Rich. Weston's very happy with this too, I'm sure. It's just like Parkland and Coral Springs. All, all in favor signify, all in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Please show that that passes seven to zero. Thank you to everyone that came out. Thank you, Mayor, Commissioner. Uh, that brings us to public hearing agenda item number 57. Madam Reading Clerk. Item 57 has two parts. Motion A is a public hearing required by the Internal Revenue Code. As it is just a public hearing, no board action is required on Motion A and no vote will be taken. The public hearing on Item 57 is now open. This hearing is held under the authority and pursuant to Section 147, F of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986 as amended and applicable U.S. Treasury regulations. The purpose of the hearing is to hear comments and discussion relating to the potential issuance by the Michigan Finance Authority of its not-to-exceed $20 million hospital revenue and refunding bonds, Trinity Health Credit Group, a portion of the proceeds of which will be loaned by the Michigan Finance Authority to the Trinity Health Corporation to finance and refinance projects for Holy Cross Hospital, Inc., located in Broward County, Florida. A notice of public hearing appeared in the Sun Sentinel Daily Newspaper advising the public of the time, place, and nature of this hearing. Comments made at this meeting, uh, I'm sorry, comments made at this hearing will be used by the board to determine whether to approve the issuance of the bonds. At this time, members of the public are invited to speak. Seeing there are no speakers, this public hearing is now closed. The board will now consider motion B, which is a motion to adopt resolution approving the issuance by the Michigan Finance Authority of its hospital revenue and refunding bonds, Trinity Health Credit Group, from time to time in one or more series in an aggregate principal amount not to exceed $20 million in related plan of financing in connection with the financing and refinancing of certain projects for Holy Cross Hospital and providing for an effective date. Thank you, Madam Reading Clerk. So at this point, I just need a motion on Section B, and that's it, because there's been no public comments. This has been open for public hearing. There's no one here to speak. It's been closed. I'll, I have a motion on 57B by, by Senator Geller. I have a second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor on item number 57B, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Please show that that passes 7 to 0. There was nothing that we needed to do on item 57A other than to open it, so that closes in its entirety matter number 57. That brings us to item number 59, Madam Reading Clerk. The public hearing on item number 59 is now open. Item 59 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to lobbying, amending chapters 1 and 26 of the County Code of Ordinances. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Okay, no one from the public has spoken. I'm going to open this to the Commission for comments or a motion on item number 59. Move it. I have a motion and I have a second by Commissioner Rich. I have Drew. Yeah, just wanted to note, just to be clear for the record, that as noted in the uh, Tuesday morning memo, uh, the board's consideration of this item is as amended by uh, Exhibit 2 uh, that was distributed as additional materials. Right. Thank you. So just for the record, because some people have asked, this makes our lobby ordinance stricter because this makes us have to um, we have to report things now that we would never have had a report in the past. We have to. We have an affirmative duty if a member of our of a family member of a commissioner is a lo is lobbying. In the past, 
the inspector general could not take any action against anybody because we didn't have anything to do with any of this and there and and a family member is not subject to the inspector general's purview so this actually makes things stricter uh, in our lobbyist code our inspector general has reviewed this and has opined that he is in agreement with this to make this ordinance you know in that point yeah and then mayor let me just say that we did vet this with the municipal council uh, and with the inspector general's uh, general council they are very careful not to chime in on policy this is a policy decision uh, but they did point out that what you mentioned about them not having jurisdiction uh, to cover something when it involves a relative of, of an elected official they did ask for an amendment uh, joe gironi's here we worked with them and drafted the amendment that's what the exhibit two is and and on balance i mean there are things where you could say it might be a little looser in part a little stricter in part on balance it's stricter uh but it's also consistent with state law there's a major uh, change to state law kicking in on December 31st, and that's the primary impetus of bringing this forward. I adopt all those into my comments by reference. <laughs> Commissioner Bogan. Council, who brought this on the agenda? Well, we, we asked for a motion Who's to, we? Uh, the county attorney's office asked for a motion to direct from the- Okay, so if this is policy, why, are you, why is the county attorney's office, with all due respect, I love you guys, why are you trying to push policy that we didn't, we're, I thought we're the policy makers and so what I see is, is your office is pushing a policy to make it stricter. I wouldn't want it stricter. Why do I want it stricter? It's just more chances of us, you know, by accident doing something, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Why would we want it stricter? And why would your office or any office bring it if it's policy? We're the policy makers. So if you could address that, I appreciate it. Well, that, that's a good question. And if we, uh, if we uh, toe that line in the future and we don't bring any matters that are related to to policy or draft them, that would, that would uh, no, keep a couple of black hairs on my head. But no, I'm you, getting it. Did anybody ask you, you to bring this? You, you, uh, well, we, we brought this to make sure that it's consistent with state law. And he, here's what the problem is, Commissioner Bogan. Uh, and Joe says it better than I do, but I'll try and uh, channel a little bit of Joe Gironi now. Uh, the definitions of lobbying under state law are very confusing, uh, difficult to navigate. The definitions of lobbying under our county code are also confusing and difficult to navigate. And when you layer them on top of each other, they're extraordinarily difficult. And I've worked with this board for many years. I know how careful everybody else is in terms of the full ethics code, not just lobbying. You vet everything with us, but not everyone does that. And what this does is it makes it clearer and it's focused upon people be being in compliance as opposed to inadvertently making a mistake because of the uh, inconsistent no. definition. The difference, though, isn't it true, Drew, that if we inadvertently make a mistake, then the IG can come down because it's a county thing. But if it's inadvertent and there's no county, then, then it would be the state would have to come down. Why do I want to empower the IG when, when I, I'm not really a big fan of the IG, to be honest with you? Why would I want to empower them more? So if we inadvertently do something, that, you know, why would I want to do that? I mean, the, the, basically the state. No, no, forget the state. Why would we as a commission well, want to do that? Well, the, 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 well, first of all, we, we, we haven't. <laughs> thank you for all the advance notice on this, too, Commissioner. Sorry. I, pre <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, uh, se secondly. Right, sorry. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I've got a good answer for you. I just wanted to point out for the record, this isn't a, a bit we're doing here. Uh, <laughs> So uh, the bottom line, we actually planned this before. To, we're making it look like we're we're adversarial here. We, we have we have an office of the inspector general. It's in our charter, and the inspector general gets to investigate 
oh, violations yeah. oh, under yeah. the local code and under state law. The difference is the, the inspector general only prosecutes if it's a violation of our local code. But this does clarify, it makes things consistent. It makes the inspector general's job, which is difficult, easier. And I think it makes our job as lawyers and every municipal attorney the same way to make sure that you all are familiar with what the requirements are. We have annual training. Everything is easier I got by having it. I got it. I, got it. I, I don't lobby, so I don't have to worry about lobbying. Right. But I certainly would not, you know, I think we see, have one see, commissioner see. that does lobby. But um, I don't know why we want to make things uh, more difficult. I mean, then, you know, but if you guys want to, I'm going to vote against it. I don't see it. We have a state law that says what we should be doing. Um, I don't, I, I don't, if we have a state law, I don't know why we want to then add more to it. So, yeah, Mayor, Mayor, just one more thing. I've been focusing on the specific question as opposed to some of the uh, other policy considerations uh, here. Based upon legal uh, guidance, uh, there are problems with our current ordinance under state law, under the, under, excuse me, under the U.S. Constitution, under the Florida Constitution. Uh, there are problems with it. And, and this helps to, we believe, uh, in a way, resolve some of those problems by being consistent with state law. We think there may be challenges to state law on it. Uh, the problems are not anything this board put in or created. Uh, these problems came about in 2010, and the county attorney's office and your current county attorney, who is the chief appellate counsel, said back then there were problems with lobbying. So this also clears that up in, in some regard. If there is a challenge to state law, it's going to be a cleaner challenge, and we'll know exactly what. Mayor, we're doing. I'm going to make a motion to defer this. I'd like to talk to our county attorney in, in a briefing, you know, about this more. I'm not, you know, maybe I didn't have. I don't know if you guys have already had the chance to talk. No, yeah, you have. I, I haven't, and so I'm Hold just going to ask. Hold off on your motion for one sec, so we can hear from the others, sure. and then you can make your motion. I had Commissioner Farr and Senator Geller. Thank you. I, I, I did have some issues with this. And one of the main reasons was, and I understand wanting to be consistent with state law, but sometimes our laws are actually, in my opinion, better than what state law has. They're more, yes, they're stricter, but I think they actually work better. And and in this, and I think our ethics code is actually a very good code. So I, you know, I don't want to see it um, lessened or diminished, just to be. Um, in, in con just to be consistent, so I'm not. That, I, that's my concern. I, I don't. I'm not sure that's always the best way to go, and I'm probably going to be voting against this as well, um, for that reason. Because I, 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 this mainly has to do with family members and that kind of thing, and I think that's. I think that's a. You know, and I and I know you think that there's some issues there with, um, but I, I think I think you know. That's a very blurry road, you know, or a blurry look. Um, that I that I think the public appreciates that we do have a strict ethics code on many on many issues. You know, I look at other counties that aren't art like ours, and our there's a there's a big bright red line that we know about yeah. from the get go, and that's a good line. And I and I, I felt like you know I've been in office almost 25 years now. I remember when it wasn't, that, that, line, that bright line was not so bright. And there was, there was lots of um, stuff that probably shouldn't have gone on. And so thanks to this code, it doesn't go on, as, you know, at least I don't know about it. Um, so I, 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 I appreciate what we have right now. I don't really want to lose that. I agree. 
There are two things that you said, Commissioner Furr, that I, I disagree with. Okay. okay. And I just want to make it clear for the record. Number one, this isn't mostly about relatives. That, that We're discussing that because the amendment had to do with that. In the main, this is about what local elected officials can do in terms of lobbying. And the definitions under state law and what are permitted under state law are, are and by the way, let me tell you what the main difference is. When the county passed its code back in 2010, the restrictions on local elected officials lobbying applied within the county. So, you, so municipal elected officials couldn't lobby other municipalities or the county, and the county uh, commissioners couldn't lobby municipalities. Uh, that's now been, that part of it's been supplanted by state law. Under state law, which is, we, we believe, and, and Joe's here, and correct me if I'm wrong, the most expansive restrictions in the, in the country in a way that we don't think are, are uh, constitutional, personally. I do not believe they're constitutional. No elected uh, official and some other unelected officials can't lobby anywhere in the state. So forget about Broward County or municipalities, any neighboring county, uh, any state entity, including executive agencies and federal agencies. And frankly, it's susceptible to even a broader interpretation than that. So if anybody here wanted to raise an issue for compensation before the school board in Panama City, whatever the Escambia County, whatever it is up there, can't do it. So in many ways, it's supplanted what we've done. The problem is, and this is the second point with which uh, I disagree, and I agree with the desire to have a bright line. You mentioned there was this, this bright line. That's exactly what we're trying to do. The problem is that the definitions of lobbying, what, what it means, I, I just told you you can't lobby anywhere in the state. What does that mean? Well, it means one thing under our local code, and it means something completely different uh, under state law. For example, appearing before uh, a, a government body, if somebody wanted to go to uh, pick a city in Broward County, Parkland, and appear before uh, Parkland uh, and lobby there at a public meeting, uh, it would be not considered uh, lobbying under our code, so you could do it. Under state law, you can't, uh, and, and under certain circumstances. And, and the reverse is true as well. So what I'm trying to point out, and, and I have no pride of authorship here, whatever happens, happens. It is a policy decision for this board. Uh, I, I think we're exposed under our current code. I think it's extraordinarily confusing under our current code because of these varying definitions. And I think that there are gonna be some very well-intentioned local officials who get caught up in lobbying because they because of these inconsistent definitions. That, that said, I, whatever happens, Commissioner Farr. So, uh, so, so given that, I know we had, a, we had a very quick briefing on this where I got, I got a, a quick overview. It sounds like to me, I probably need to, to be, have, a, have a longer discussion with you on this so that I understand it. And I imagine that may be the case for, for many of us uh, because I don't know the state law versus ours. And, and I want to make sure, as you said, that that bright line is still there. I also want to make sure that you know, it's, it's a, a workable code. Uh, and to, to the point where you're saying that you know, some, of the, some of the new laws are even more expansive than what we had, I'd like to know about that. So I, I and I didn't, I, I kind of just went by our debriefing a little bit. So I would, I would actually welcome a deferral for at least, this isn't a time, um, there's no time crunch on this, correct? No. Or is there? Well, it, it's, it would be our recommendation that we act before the end of the year when state law okay. kicks in. But, okay. but again, you know, you have. That gives we, us time. That gives yeah, us time. Yeah, we have some new members coming in and uh, 
you know, after, but yeah, sure. And if, if, if a majority of the board wants to do that, and I'm not sure where, where it is, but if that's what happens, we'd ask that it please be continued and not deferred, uh, continued okay. to a time certain so we don't have to advertise again. Well, and, and I know I know for a, probably lots, lots of us, over the next two months, we're having to do our four we hours. We're doing our ethics stuff. We're doing our ethics stuff. Yeah. This may be a good time to kind of bring that into that so that we are able to understand the the, the distinctions on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a motion to defer as well. He did. You already made it. It's a motion to continue. You want to make motion a motion to continue. to continue it to the December 5th meeting? Yeah, that's fine. December 6th? Yeah, that's fine. All right, I have a motion by Commissioner Furr, second by Commissioner Bogan to continue this to the December 6th meeting. Uh, motions to continue are no debate, so we're going to vote on the motion to continue to December 6th when we have the full county, new county commissioners too. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please, sh okay, please show that that passes five to two. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this on December 6th. Uh, we'll have a full board here. We can get uh, fully briefed on it, and we can go from there. That brings us to agenda item number 60. The public, the public hearing on item number 60 is now open. Item 60 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to quorum requirements for advisory and other boards, amending section 1-233 of the County Code of Ordinances. No member of the public has signed up to speak. I'm going to open this to the commission. I believe I have an amendment to this. Um, so I'd like to move this with my amendment. Um, if I All right, so it's moved by Commissioner Farr. Just so I'm clear, I'm clear, your amendment says that the chair has to be there? So, so before, the, it was requiring everybody to be there at, right. these, at these little boards and stuff. Right. And, and so my thought was, why wouldn't people want to be by Zoom or phone and we have at least the chair there? Or you could have at least three other members there, either the chair or three members, just to make it so these boards can operate instead of... Otherwise, everyone's got to be there, and then there's no quorum, and you never. Yeah, I, mean, I think one of the things we learned from COVID was being able to do uh, these things remotely increases increases uh, rep representation. A lot more people come to these things if you can do right. this. So I, I'm I agree with you. All right, support that, Commissioner Rich. Yeah, Senator Rich. I I just support that. Um, you know, from what I've seen with the on the boards uh, on which I served. Uh, I think there's been tremendous, uh, uh, been an, there was, before we came back to this again now, an increase in, in people yeah. attending. And uh, I see nothing wrong with just having the choice of either the three members or the, or the, the, the chair of the board uh, in, a, in a physical attendance. Yeah, so I support it. Okay. I have a motion by Commissioner Bogan as amended, seconded by, by Commissioner Farr. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes 7 to 0. Agenda item number 61. Madam Reading Clerk. The public hearing on item number 61 is now open. Our final public hearing item is 61, which is a motion to adopt resolution pertaining to affordable housing, amending Chapter 27 of the County Administrative Code to provide for expedited review of development applications. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Mr. Mayor, I have an amendment on that. Senator Geller, you have the floor. 
Ms. Mayor, this is uh, actually an item that you had brought up to expedite um, uh, permitting on affordable housing. I just wanted to make sure that this isn't gaming the system. So my amendment would say that at least 10% would have to be affordable housing, that you can't just put in one unit in a 500-unit project I'll, I'll and accept, say it's affordable. I'll accept, that as a, I'll accept that as a friendly amendment. So with that, move, move it. it. Move, motion by Commissioner Geller, uh, Senator Geller, second by Vice Mayor Fisher. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. That brings us to agenda item number 62, a delegation uh, request. We have Mr. Greg Jacobs here to speak on agenda item number 62. Mr. Jacobs has signed up to speak. He's got three, he has three minutes and there's two other speakers that signed up. If it so pleases the commission, we're gonna change it and my neighbor, Mary McNamara, would like to take the first three minutes. Ms. Gustafson could not appear. She saw what happened to me and was scared. So I'm going to finish with her with the four minutes, the last, if that's okay. So I'm going to give you three minutes to speak, and I'm going to give your neighbor three minutes to speak. Well, so she can go first. Could she, I have a three and a half minute thing. Okay, so, so she, she can go first. Close enough. We'll get you All right, three, I know it's three and a half. So no one should be scared coming to address us. We've accepted plenty of public comments on this issue, more than any other item that's ever come before us, I think, in, in different delegation requests. Ma'am, you have the floor. Hi, my name is Mary McNamara. Some of you know me. I've been here before. So I would like to talk about what it was like for me to leave uh, Trinity Lakes. I think it's called uh, Lakeside Park Estates right now. So there was a lock put on my trailer after I came to the last commissioner meeting where we were all here. And I uh, also met with Broward County. They came to Lakeside Park Estates. They met with each of us and they talked about money for moving. No one has gotten any money for moving even though some of us have moved and we have talked to Broward County. My trailer was uh, had a lock put on it, I think September 5th or 6th. I. Uh, it was a Friday, excuse me, when that lock was put on. I was not able to uh, do anything but leave the park. So that following Monday, I made a lot of emails to some of you. And within three days, they gave me 48 hours to remove my trailer to disembark it because, you know, it's kind of... It's not bolted down, but it's strapped down, and you have to undo the plumbing, electrical, blah, blah, blah. So I did it within the time they gave me, and it was moved by a mover after that. That was agreed on. But the abuse that I received during that 48 hours, when I first got there at 730, they showed up and I was yelled at for so badly that people were recording it my neighbors that I don't even talk to that I don't know that well. Then they called the police. I explained to BSO before they got there that I had a paper. So they made sure that the officers that showed up were aware of that. So they weren't just ready to throw me down. I showed them the paper. I was told that 
I would get a felony if I did not listen to uh, Kevin. Kevin and I made arrangements. This was t like terroristic tactics. Everyone saw what I went through. The amount, if I was not a carpenter, I would have not gotten that trailer out. If I didn't move trailers before and help people move trailers in there, I would not have had the info to be able to do it within the amount of time. That's just not all that they have done. You know that they destroyed my phone. You know that that's still being researched. Thank, Thank you. you. Mr. Jacobs. Well, I never like to come empty handed, so you know it wouldn't be me if I didn't bring it. I think I brought enough for everyone this time. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. May I have the four minutes, please? Go ahead, please start speaking. Greg Jacobs, 3300 Pembroke Road, lot 847-33021. Trinity Broadcasting Networks with their closet and its graveyard full of skeletons in it does not respect my rights. I have suffered discrimination, intimidation, extortion, and retaliation for speaking to the commission, among other misdeeds. On October 19th, I was notified all rent from October to December 31st was to be waived and a three days grace move out period was granted. The evening of October 25th, after submitting commission to the remarks to the Broward Commission about how Trinity continues to refuse to uphold the terms of their agreement, I received this threat from management that I was to be evicted for non-payment of rent. This matter has been referred to council. Even after receiving a letter of representation or request to cease and desist contacting me from my attorney, management continues to contact and threaten me with a three-day eviction proceeding and a rent increase. Trinity Broadcasting does not respect me. They do not respect the residents, and they definitely do not respect the terms of their agreement with the county. In the agreement, 3A, no one received relocation counseling from the urban group. F, the east side public Wi-Fi has been disconnected and Florida Fiber confirms, citing the closure as the reason. I have documented multiple occurrences where construction, demolition, and noise occurs outside 9 to 5 regular business hours. This is not full compliance with the agreement to say nothing of making false statements submitting fabricated cleaning records to the commission, and retaliating against myself for speaking to you. At this time, Trinity Broadcasting acts of ill will towards residents expends to harassment, negligent security, unsafe work sites, code violations, discrimination, threats, unlawful evictions, coercion, extortion. What will they do next? With all due respect, there is nothing Mr. Katzman or anyone can say that will overcome these facts. How much of this outrageous conduct is to be tolerated? It is time to hold Trinity Broadcasting accountable and file a claim for deceptive and unfair trade practices, the unlawful registration of Lakeside as an RV park when under Florida law it is clearly a mobile home park, and other claims against Lakeside related to the closing. Everyone is free to disagree with me, but I think it is time to hold the bumbling billionaire behemoth Trinity Broadcasting that tramples tenants' rights. 
accountable for their outright violations of your agreement and lying to you in false statements, documents, or retaliating against those who speak to you. I am from Kansas City where friends help friends. The motto of the state of Missouri comes to mind, show me. Thank you for this opportunity to address the commission in this most unfortunate situation. I almost forgot one last thing. You know, I'm here, you're here. Council, Chief Council Meyer, Ms. Harrod, Mr. Katzman, some of the other victims. Where's Mike Everett in all this? Where's, where's Matthew and Lori Crouch? I mean, it is their church after all. And with a $20 million personal net asset value, to say nothing of the billion dollar value of Trinity Broadcasting, they can do a lot better for the victims of Lakeside Park Estates. Thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. Now there's also another manila folder. That's what's going on in the city of Pembroke tomorrow. I encourage you, you to take a look at it and my comments, which will be submitted to the public record. Thank you, sir. Agenda item number 63 is now another delegation request by Scott Baker, uh, an attorney. Sir, you have the floor for three minutes. Good afternoon, Mayor, Commissioners. My name is Scott Baker. I'm counsel for Trinity Broadcasting of Florida, Inc. They're the owner of Lakeside Park Estates. I wanted to come before you today and briefly describe to you basically the status of the agreement that this board reached with uh, Lakeside Park Estates back in July. I'd also like to very briefly touch on some of the, well, many of the many claims you've been hearing over the past few months about implementation. So as a reminder, this park is licensed as an RV park with 289 spaces. Back in uh, March, they announced closing the park. The county staff and, and this board received a lot of comments from the tenants of concern. Uh, the county reached out to us. We reached an agreement in July on July 13th of 22. That agreement did two basic things. One, it extended the time frame by which we were going to close the park. We added two months. And it also expanded the scope of financial incentives we are providing, even though no such incentives are required under Florida law. Um, at, let me tell you where we are as of yesterday. About 40 tenants are left in the park from that 289 number. We've paid out about $100,000 in incentives so far under the agreement with the county. Of the remaining 40 tenants, most of those are or will be deemed what we call park models. Those are the larger RVs that are difficult to move and uh, people have made uh, investments in tying them down to the park uh, site. Those owners will each receive, uh, if they otherwise qualify, $3,000. So we're looking at another outlay through December of $100,000 to $120,000 in incentive payments. Uh, in addition, we've paid out off the, off the <coughs> outside of the agreement, we've paid out about $50,000 to help those tenants that have extraordinary medical or financial needs. These are people who come in and might have told us, hey, I'm a subtenant. We didn't know they were even subtenants. Though subtenancy is not allowed without our approval. And so they were being having their power turned off or their uh, utilities turned off and needed had nowhere to go. And so uh, the, the, my client has helped them to the tune of about $50,000. We also had Broward County, uh, your, I, I may get the t department name wrong, but the Human Services Office came out on, in August and met with 23 tenants. Um, let me conclude by uh, touching on a lot of the concerns you've, you've raised. We've been, uh, 
I can't count the number of agencies that have investigated the park, that have responded to numerous complaints. All those matters are matters of public record, as you know, and I would encourage you to do your homework. I have a very open communication with your county attorney, Mr. Katzman. We email, we call each other frequently. He brings concerns to me, many of which are well-founded, and I just don't, I think you're only hearing one side of the story. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that closes the delegation requests on item 62 and 63. Um, with the commission's permission, can we do item number 67 next? Because that's the last one where there's public speakers, and this way we can get that done before lunch. So I'm going to take out of turn item number 67 next. Um, item number 67 is uh, a motion to approve an agreement between Broward County and Universal Protection Services, Part A. Part B is a motion to approve an agreement between Broward County and Global Security Consulting. Part C is a motion to approve an agreement between Broward County and Universal, Universal Protection Service Allied for Security Guard at North Perry. D, agreement number six between Broward County and Universal uh, for Port Everglades Security. And that's it, A through D. So those are the items before us now. Um, I put in a, a PBMI on this, which you've all seen. Every one of these agreements complies with the new updated living wage ordinances, those dollars with the PTO, the health care differential, and the new salaries, if we can get this approved in short order. We have members of the public that are here to speak on this. Our first speaker is Sean McMillan, and after Sean on deck is Monica Monique Conley. So Sean, then Monique. Well, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I'm not a stranger here, but we have, uh, I have one, two, I have three speakers for regular speak, speak, and then two for questions. So three, three minutes each. Go ahead, uh, sir. Sorry. Okay. Thank you so much, Mayor. Um, you all know my name is um, Sean McMillan, and I've been here plenty of times speaking before you all um, concerning myself and the officers that I um, work with. Let me first say we thank you all for um, your time and the 1717 that you, you all approved, the PTO. We're grateful for that. And um, the airport and the port contract um, that's soon to be passed, we, we are grateful for that. Um, but there's another issue that's very alarming and concerning, concerning and that is the the general contract that we asking you all to to consider to please um, um, pass um, because if it does not pass there will be many and hundreds of officers that will lose their health care insurance I said last time that I spoke this is the first time in 15 years that I worked in security at the courthouse that I felt good and proud of what I was doing because I was able to go to the doctor and um, it was affordable and I'm asking this this commission that um, this is a very serious matter that if we allow another um, security company to come in um, and to or, um, organize in our workplace, our health care is at is at state. 
I was having a conversation with my wife the other day, and my 11-year-old son heard me talking about this situation. He came to me and said, Dad, are you going to lose your job? And I looked at him, and I could not give him a direct answer because I don't know. Bringing in another security company, Westmoreland, they have proven and have not shown that they respect our rights to even organize. And if you approve this bid, security officers will lose again their health care. We will not be guaranteed breaks. We will not be able to have union representation. And our voice on the job would not be heard. And we fought hard. We fought hard to stand where we're at today. And I'm asking the commissions, please, please, ma'am, please, sir, don't let this, don't let this happen. Thank you. Thank you. No Good afternoon. No, yes. 67 doesn't have Westmoreland, but go ahead. Okay. So, good afternoon. Um, I've been here also before. My name is Monique Conley. I've been a security officer um, with the company for over six years. Um, at this time, this was the best thing that happened to us when we became a union. Um, as far as our health care, it was the best we had. If we lose the insurance or the contract, I pay $455 for a hell of that. You say it's my life. With the insurance we have now, I only have to pay 30. We were only making minimum wage, if that. This situation is dire for us. There's no way for us to continue doing what we do. We serve everyone with respect. We don't get the same thing in return. I work every day. I work six days last week because I have to make up for what I don't have. We don't have anything and we don't work. We don't get paid. We don't get paid. One bill is not paid. We saw on the county purchasing website that you guys are trying to get rid of our company and bring in Westmoreland. We've been in that building for 20 years in the courthouse. It's not fair. It's not fair for us to have to struggle. I have to realize that maybe next week or January 1st, we don't have a job. And we have to start over. We have no guarantees. Nothing. And it's not fair. It's not fair. The union has helped us a lot. The insurance I had before didn't pay for anything. Not doctor's appointments, I had a $15,000 deductible. I had to pay that before. Making $13.70 an hour? How? And still pay rent. And still pay light bill, water bill, phone bill, everything. Buy food. You don't qualify for anything else if you make a little change. If you make anywhere from $11 to $12 an hour, you don't qualify for any type of public assistance. It's not fair. We feel that we've worked hard to get where we are now. We appreciate everything that you've done, but we still need more. We really cannot afford to lose our jobs. Where are we going to go? I'm 57 years old now. 
No matter what application I put in anywhere, no matter what qualifications I have, nobody is hiring me. Nobody. So what I got is the only security I have right now. And that's the job that I have with Allied. That's the insurance that I have that I can afford to go to the doctor, take care of my diabetes, my, my asthma, my high blood pressure, and everything else. But now, if anything goes wrong now, I don't know where I would be. Probably out there on Broward Boulevard with the homeless people. I don't know. Please help us. Thank you. Our last speaker is Helene O'Brien. Got my John Fetterman sweatshirt. Okay. Anyway, bad joke. Um, so my name is Helene O'Brien, and I lead 32BJ SEIU, the Union of Broward Security Officers, and I'm here to speak on item 67. We appreciate that the new security contracts at the county's airports and port are finally moving forward, and so a big thank you from all of the officers there. Um, what is of great concern, however, is the recommendation your county staff is making for the general services security contract, which covers this building and other county buildings and courthouses. There are two problems. The first is the county's insistence on doing a low-bid process. Low-bid processes are especially harmful for labor-intensive contracts because the employers usually try to create savings on the backs of employees. And we know that you don't really want the county commission to drive a race to the bottom in security in South Florida. We have an experience from 2014 in Miami-Dade County when they did a low-bid um, process for security, and the jobs became unbearable for many workers. They experienced things like losing break time, getting disciplined for taking an unpaid day off, schedules and work assignments that changed constantly, and threats from stressed-out su supervisors trying to cover shifts. Turnover shot through the roof, and the companies who won the work either ended up selling out or going out of business or struggling to keep their doors open. And now we've learned that the county staff is recommending that this commission approve awarding the general services contract to Westmoreland, a company that has been unwilling to commit to working with the union in Broward County and South Florida to maintain the standards that these security officers have achieved in the last few years, including job security, health and safety protections, a voice on their jobs, and most importantly, access to their current health insurance. We have reached out to Westmoreland multiple times throughout the bidding process and they have refused to respond. With Westmoreland, the security officers would not only lose their health insurance, they could lose their protection from being fired for any reason the boss wants, they could lose their ability to raise issues and get them addressed by their employer, they could lose their job security, their voice on the job, and the right to be represented. The general services contract should not be awarded to a contractor who won't commit to workers' rights. To be clear, we are very happy with the port and the airports, and it was there were contract changes, but all the contractors agreed to standards. We know that some of you might be tired of hearing from us at these meetings all the time. <laughs> I'm looking at you, but our members are low-wage, mostly African-American or Afro-Caribbean Broward County residents working hard to raise their families here, and this is the forum to raise their issues, and this commission has demonstrated your support for these workers and for our members, and that is why we are asking that the values of this county commission be reflected in the contracting process of your staff. Thank you very much. You. Okay. So, yeah, this, sure. Helene. Helene, why are you here on this item instead right. of item 70? It's not even item 78. Eight, which item, se item 78 is the small contract. There won't, it, there's, it's non-union now. It'll remain non-union. The, the item that we're referring to is the county recommendation on the website as part of this effort. It's not being voted on today, but we, right. we wanted to make sure you were aware that it will lead, so we have an opportunity to 
to cure, if you will, but you're aware that there could be incredible disruption, and we don't want to wait to the last minute. Right. I wish you'd clarify that. Yeah. So Sorry. Could have I, so, I know. So, I was you, trying to get so, you to call me first, but yeah. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Monica, but my understanding is 68 and the other one in the 70s have nothing to do with what they're right. talking about. There is another bid that's out there that's a clean, low bid that would come wouldn't even have to come before the commission unless it's pulled by a member prior to, I think, when the bids come in Friday. There's a certain time that we're going to get. We're not talking about this today. If we don't approve these contracts today, then this living wage and all this stuff is not going to kick in. These, these need to be approved. They're approved. talking about and we're something for the not approval. on our agenda today. Right. So, okay. for whatever that's worth. I have Bogan, I? and then I have Senator Rich. I, so to confirm, I, that's what I was confused yeah. about. To confirm, these contracts new. need to be approved, and what Colleen is talking about is something Something else. different. Okay. This, this gives the, the employees that are here, the 1717, the PTO that we talked about over the last few meetings, the health care differential, all that is complied with in these security contracts. These, in my opinion, need to be approved so we can start getting them the pay. What number, then what number is And that's what I said. Is we approve, we, we support no. and thank you right. for items okay. 67 and 68. Right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Senator Rich. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I totally understand, you know, kind of why Helene is here. I mean, this is not on the agenda, but to me, I mean, we have worked, we have just worked too hard on all of these contracts to get what we wanted in there. And if we have something out there, and I don't know if it is or not, but if, uh, I hear, I'm reading, I hear what she's saying, I need to know. If so, I, I think we have to stop it right now. We have, we've come so far to do this, to put it, uh, a contract in the hands of someone that doesn't recognize unions, that is not going to recognize the things that we've worked to provide and to help provide for these people who work so hard every day. We hear it every single meeting that we have this. So right. I, I, I just, I mean, I, please explain. Can, can I, just, I just make a suggestion? You're going to send the email out in the next couple days that says if anyone has any objection to this email, let us know and add it to an agenda. Why don't we just determine that this is the objection to that email and add that future one to an agenda so we can deal with 68 and set, or whatever the numbers are so we can start getting these employees paid. If there's something that needs to come back before us in the future, it can come. Mayor, I agree. I, this needs I, to I, I want to concur this with Commissioner now. Rich right. as well. If, well there is, if there's something in the works that's going to undermine the union, uh, I, I, I want it. Uh, Monica? I, I think, Monica, I think I'm we sir, have to be... I'm, I'm sorry. I, we I just want to say one sentence. If there's something in the works that's going to undermine the workers and what they've achieved with another company, as, as I agree with Senator Rich, I'd like it first to come before us. Right. But there's, I'm going to let the county attorney speak because this, this is a process of what we put out in a bid. On that's right. We'll fix it. Yeah. I mean, the, the protections that this board has put in place in terms of a living wage, uh, pay time off, health care differential, there are a lot of protections. That's what we should be focusing on. It, it, it shouldn't, and I know people are using the words generally, but we, we can't have a, and I know this board doesn't, while it supports organized labor, there's no pro-union or anti-union bias here, and there can't be legally by the board. You focus on the protections, and I know that's the shorthand that you're using to focus on the protections. Correct. I'll accept a motion on 67 so that we can start. I have a motion by Vice Mayor Fisher, second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor on item number 67, signify by saying aye. 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 Please show that passes 7 to 0. 
Um, suggestion that you made, has that been accepted by the administrator that we will be included now in this process? Of so you, um, we'll, we will be bringing those two yeah. items because it was three groups. One of them is in um, item 78. And then the other two groups would have ordinarily gone through the clean low bid process because it was a low, it was a bid. Yes. Um, and now, as I understand, those two items will be brought back to this board. That's good. Right. Okay. Thank you. So, do we want to open 78, and we can approve 78, and then we'll go from there? I oppose 78. For something else. The comments on 78. Okay. Okay. Um, so, item 78 is open. Okay. Thank you. I had pulled item 78 uh, for comment. Uh, this one I'm, I, I'm okay with because it's a low bid and we have to be. But I was going to say that uh, I would recommend that in the future that we not be going low bid, that we go with RFP process on these. And one of the reasons I feel this way is you know, and again, I've been over this in advance with the county attorney. I have a script. Uh, hold on. Uh, my script, if I can locate it. Um, ah, here it is. For, um, let's see. For many years, this board has made great efforts to improve wages and other benefits for workers on county contracts. And by the way, the reason I have a script is because we can't say that we're not going to hire somebody based on labor. So I have a script to make sure that I'm not saying that. Wink, wink. For many years, this board has made great efforts to improve wages and other benefits for workers on county contracts, including by increasing the living wage and ensuring labor peace at critical county facilities. The county gains significant revenue from the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. We have uh, proprietary interests ensuring safe, secure, and seamless operations at the airport. In other words, we need to ensure services are not disrupted. We have required labor peace agreements for security services as a tool to ensure that there is not a work stoppage that um, interrupts the operations of the airport, maintaining continuous security services at other county operations, such as Port Everglades and our other general facilities is also crucial. A labor peace agreement is an effective way, means of meeting an obligation to ensure continuous operations. If a potential vendor refuses to consider working with a labor organization, that takes away an important means of the vendor being able to demonstrate to the county satisfaction that there will be no work stoppages at critical county facilities. We need to be following the law. The law is we cannot base, make a, a sole uh, decision based on uh, unions, not unions. However, I think that, and I have already discussed this with the county administrator, that I think if we are going more with an RFP process where we can consider um, issues other than just the low bid. I am supportive today. We have no choice. My understanding is item 78, we're going with the low bidder, and there are no uh, timely fi file challenges. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so today we have to support item 78. 
but uh, I am just expressing my, I'm one commissioner, my opinion that I would like to see on these labor intensive contracts, uh, particularly those dealing with the lower wage employees, I would like to see more in the RFP process where we can consider other items. That is not affecting item 78 today. I think we must support item 78 so, today. So are you moving 78? Yeah, I'll move 78, but I think other people wanted to comment. No, I have a, I have a no, no, no. All right, Senator Rich. Yeah, I, I second the motion. But I just want to clarify that I did not say about, this is, is I, I wrote it down specifically about because Actually, I believe Helene used this, and it was about about sacrificing or going backwards with regard to worker rights. I mean, that doesn't say anything about unions. That is worker rights, and that's what 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 that's, upsets that's me why now I think because we I agree feel that RFPs. that's what we're looking at going backwards on what we've tried okay. to do for workers in our community. Monica, county administrator. Thank you. Um, I just want to um, add some clarity to some some uh, statements that were made. Um, so. Senator Geller, um, as to your motion on 78 and, and your comments there, the same would be applicable to those two other groups that were not for that clean low bid process. I would have brought all three of those groups forward to you today. Um, a couple of points that I'm going to ask Mr. Kelleher to come um, and address you all, but uh, just to make sure I've got all the points correct. So the first is if um, we don't, if I bring back those items, which you guys have directed me to do, and I'm happy to do so, they will not be in place on January 1 because they will be coming back on December 6th, those two sets of contracts. Um, number two, um, they all went through the bid process. And so, Senator Geller, just to your point on the low bid process, those other two contracts also were, they all went out at the same time, so they also adhered to the bid process. and. The vendors, as I understand it, have all confirmed that they would adhere to the protections in the living wage ordinance. And so, uh, Mr. Keller, if you can um, elaborate. Yeah, that, that's that's correct. 78 is, we have, we went out for three different security guard uh, groups. You had one at the airport, which is 67, uh, which there's no issues with. We had 68, which is the port, where there's no issues. Can I confirm we've already approved both 67 and 68? Or did yes. we only? Yes. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. Thank you. Seventy-eight has to has about the general the general security contract that had three groups. They had a the group which was general county. Then the second group was libraries, and the third group was parks. The one for libraries only had one bidder, and that's why it's before you today. So when you're approving seventy-eight, you're approving the one bidder for group two in the in the county's general contract. For the group one and group three. We went to the low bid process. They went through the bidding process. After the, uh, af we waited until um, after the amendment of the living wage ordinance. So we had them resubmit their bids. And so what we have is we have the clean low bid process, which a notice went out last week, late last week, uh, I think on Thursday, to start that clock that would start the process for the protests from any vendor, as well as if any commissioner has a, has a pull for that. So that, that, process has started and that concludes this Friday at, at 5 at 5 p.m. So but both those vendors for group one and group three that are part of that clean low bid process they have committed 
to the requirements of the amended living wage ordinance. That's the 1717, that's the paid time off, and, and all, everything else that is required under that, under that ordinance. Thank you. So we'll get an email by Friday on this one and three. That, that you should have already received it last Thursday. Okay. So we have until Friday if somebody wants to pull that and put that on the agenda. And it could delay that one and three portion of compli you know, compliance with these, with, with, with what, these pet, what, what the productions are. So item 78, which has nothing to do with that specific issue, is before us. There's a motion and a second. I'd like to see these guys start getting paid more as this comes in. Um, any other comments or else we can vote on 78? All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes 6 to 0. All right, so 78 is done. That brings us back to item 64. I'm going to accept a motion. It's 20 to uh, 1. Let's move to 1 o'clock. We'll see what we can get done, and we'll break for lunch at 1 o'clock, if we're depending on Unless where we're, we're at. Close. We'll see. So for now, we're extended till 1 o'clock, and then we'll, we need to give people a break. Uh, agenda item number 64. I think that's Commissioner Bogan's item on wastewater and testing through our wastewater system. Monica? Yeah. I think staff wants to, to address this. Yep. So um, we were asked back in September as part of um, the budget conversations about the ability, um, it first came up during our budget workshops about our ability to uh, test uh, wastewater for viruses. So um, you guys have had a set, a set of a uh, couple of conversations and asked us to go back and do some research and um, uh, Dr. Harado is, is prepared, as is uh, Lenny uh, Villalpando, to answer any questions, but Dr. Harado is going to give a, a brief um, overview of the analysis that staff um, underwent to give you guys uh, kind of a uh, report and some recommendations. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, Monica, yes, as you introduced, um, good morning or afternoon now, uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Commissioners. Um, to your reference, uh, that item had uh, been brought up on September 8, 22. Uh, when the commission directed our staff to prepare a report outlining um, parameters and costs for a potential wastewater monitoring and testing uh, program for disease-causing agents. Uh, the Natural Resources Division staff and Lenny and myself uh, participated in that review. Uh, it included a, um, an assessment of existing wastewater monitoring programs that we could find and public health agency efforts that are already involved and being expanded to uh, evaluate coordinated wastewater monitoring efforts at uh, both state and national levels. We communicated with researchers who were involved in these efforts, senior administrators, and in one case, a, a county, a city administrator, a CDC, a state and health department officials, uh, both in the state of Florida and uh, in New York, where activities are underway to learn about the state of these uh, efforts with a focus on best practices, the program logistics that they had um, evaluated and run into, program scopes, partners involved in their processes, data management, cost considerations and recommendations that they might have for a community looking to uh, develop a similar uh, program and effort. 
We evaluated thoroughly uh, case studies involving efforts being implemented uh, within New York State uh, by the Department of Health in partnership with the uh, Syracuse University and a more local program that's being implemented here in the state of Florida by the city of Altamont Springs. And uh, in that second effort, they were uh, not utilizing a university partner, but a contracted laboratory. We found that in these conversations, their efforts ranged from uh, fairly uh, intense uh, COVID variant monitoring and, and SARS-related monitoring as part of, uh, for example, the Florida Wastewater Monitoring Network. There's also a uh, national wastewater surveillance program and then uh, these additional efforts that were more at a pilot level um, focused on uh, other uh, viruses, including monkeypox and, as we know, polioviruses. These also included discussion of the CDC's planned efforts to expand what is the existing national wastewater monitoring or surveillance program to potentially include poliovirus. So based upon these conversations and the board's request for staff to uh, come back with considerations for a locally implemented wastewater program, our staff worked to generate uh, the report that you've been provided as the exhibit uh, with uh, detail of some options and some estimates on bracketed costs associated with each of those, which uh, we could certainly discuss. Uh, but in, in, in the whole, the four options that we outlined include the following. Uh, one, outside uh, outsourcing for a very comprehensive countywide wastewater uh, surveillance program. Uh, second, um, approaching the effort as a more limited launch uh, in partnership with the Broward County Water Wastewater Services that also had you know, reviewed uh, the report um, and, and working in an initial partner um, at, in an area where we have more direct reach. Um, also, uh, participating in a um, program effort as a third option with the Florida Wastewater Surveillance Program that might only be limited to the COVID and SARS monitoring, which is currently underway. And then the fourth option being that to um, sit and um, await additional guidance and direction that we expect will be coming from the CDC regarding their planned approach and guidance for expanding that national effort to include uh, specific protocols for uh, the polio virus. Um, in our, our, our initial review of, of options at the staff level, we found most uh, you know, attractive or favorable the option for simply because in our conversations with the CDC, they did acknowledge the importance of having a uh, locally based um, health program uh, office that would be directly involved in the efforts and in our uh, initial outreach here with the Broward Department of Health there didn't seem to be an immediate um, um, anticipation of the local health department playing a very active role in that area, absent uh, more direct state direction. Uh, additionally, the CDC had noted that in the event of finding uh, positive responses on some of uh, the more contagious agents, such as polio, it would kick in another level of protocols that would need to be followed. And so uh, they were working through how they would be uh, handling a more coordinated approach and some of the um, detection limits and so forth that might come with a more uh, specific sampling regimen. So we understand that that effort is underway and, and hence found that it may be favorable to look for that very specific guidance um, before um, 
you know, before tackling something at that scale. But uh, that is the uh, summary that we uh, would present in the way of the, the synthesis here for your consideration. I think there's a lot of detail with regards to the individual efforts, and um, we stand ready to answer any of your questions. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to open to the commission. Commissioner Farr. Um, Dr. Harada, do you have any idea of the timeline that the CDC is recommend, uh, providing? Uh, hopefully within this next year, I know that they were working very intensely with Syracuse University and they're working to build out a whole statewide program in the state of New York and uh, the CDC was heavily involved with that. So presumably that there would be um, some lessons that are coming through that initial investment in the state of New York that would help um, formulate that process. Okay, great. Thank That's you. all. Senator Geller, then Commissioner Bogan. Thank you. Um, Dr. Hirado, I've reviewed uh, the documents. Um, first, I had a question um, that I have a question. Uh, my uh, first question is, I think that this is uh, a good idea. I'm glad that Commissioner Brogan brought it up. But I, a concern I have is, let's say something shows polio or COVID or something like that here in South Florida. Um, with our very large tourism community here, could this be if 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 there's a outbreak of polio in New York City and something shows up in the wastewater here, isn't it fairly good possibility that this is just um, a visitor, mm -hmm. a, a tourist from New York? Mm -hmm. I think that the, the, the question's fair in terms of who the attribution, um, but if we were to say that it were a single individual, it's not necessarily, um, we wouldn't have the ability to say whether or not that would even be detectable with a single individual contributing to the wastewater flow, and you might need to have an, a, a larger uh, population before you'd see that signal, and we don't yet know I what that threshold is. I could be wrong, but I is. think we have a lot of visitors from New York. So, so just to expand on that, so when we did reach out to the CDC, their, their biggest issue right now is that the low levels of infection, you know, in, on the order of hundreds or, or, you know, maybe low thousands of, of infected individuals is not currently known. And there are testing protocols with detection limits that need to be established in order to understand, okay, if we choose this detection limit, then we think we're detecting it in, at this hundreds of people level versus thousands or tens of thousands of people level. And so that sort of data for many of these infectious disease agents is not available. And we're not able to say right now that we can accurately predict the number of infected individuals in a community. And so I would just say to your question, if it were on the order of hundreds or low thousands, it's, it's possible we wouldn't even detect it. And in order to determine whether or not we could, we would need to figure out what the detection limits, A, that we're capable of collecting as a sample, and B, getting analyzed as, as a lab. The, which leads into my second question, so don't go anywhere. Yes, um, as I've looked at the four options, um, it appears that this is a good idea, but a little premature. Uh, perhaps because it appears to say, unless I've misread this, that all of these uh, depend on a public health entity participation. And it seems that what you're saying 
and what Dr. Harada was saying is that there are several public health agencies that are looking at doing this at some point in the future, but none of them have agreed to do it yet. And if that's the case, it looks to me like this is something that uh, I'm glad we studied, but we should table for six months or a year and wait and see what if there are public health entities that have started this project that we can partner with. I think we need to be partnering, and right now it sounds, if I've heard you correctly, that we don't have anybody to partner with. Is that accurate? It is, Commissioner Senator um, Geller. Basically, uh, there's a couple of things with this. I think it's a very promising field, and and you know, with with board direction, we'd be happy to continue to pursue this field because we do think it has a lot of benefits and it poses a very powerful tool whereby the county can better understand what's happening. But to your point, the CDC is establishing a national wastewater surveillance system. It's currently in its infancy. They, they did, in fact, say, and it's here on our report on page 10, that um, they are committed to uh, establishing what they call uh, wastewater surveillance centers of excellence which they will use to support the continued development of wastewater surveillance for public health. And as those centers get developed, we would be happy to actively engage with them and then hope that we can bring in the local health department to be our partner so that if we were to find something, we could have some sense that there would be a follow-through by that agency. Okay. Well, in closing then, I again sure. commend Commissioner Bogan for bringing this up. But my recommendation would be that we would just ask staff to continue to follow this until such time as the CDC or other appropriate government entities have something that we can partner with and then we can bring this back. But that's just one commissioner's recommendation. Right. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So I have a motion from Senator Geller to table this until the CDC has some partners that we can be involved with on this. Is there a second? I have a second by- Can I? Yeah, I was going to speak. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's no need to table anything. Uh, there's no need. To, well, what we can continue doing, first of all, Lenny, can you come up? Besides the CDC, I thought we could also talk to the University, Nova, or some other university. So th there's things that we need to do to outreach to try to develop some type of partnership. Tabling it puts us doing nothing. Commissioner Bogan, I, I okay. don't think that we need to table a motion to discuss. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about tabling a motion to discuss. I'm talking about. You're, I, I disagree with. with okay. I take that back. I, I thought I heard something. Okay, go ahead. I, I'd like to um, amend my motion instead of motion to discuss. It would be a motion to direct. A motion to direct staff to come up with uh, a plan of how this can get accomplished. And whether it's to talk to the university, which you talked to me about, it doesn't have to be the CDC. There's other entities we can approach just to. To start moving on it, it can only be good for public health, and um, that's that's where I'm at. I would like to amend this to a motion to direct. Okay, I have a motion by Commissioner yeah. Bogan to direct staff to continue looking at this, right. coming back, oh, right? And, and it was second, seconded by I'm Senator second. Rich, who wanted yeah. to speak on yes. it. Yes, and I, I do want to speak on it. You know, um, I think the key part that Dr. Harado talked about that's very distressing is that. 
we have no partnership here with the state because the state has not been willing to do this. And lo locally, normally, our health department would, I believe, would, you know, would join us. And maybe there is a way that some things can be done. But there's no commitment, obviously, from the state of Florida at this point. So I, I, I think, right. Um, well, yes, people have asked, yeah. and they're not, they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not right now. So I, I just think that we should proceed at the, the way in which uh, Commissioner Bogan's motion, uh, you know, recommended. But I don't, I don't want to see it stop because, you know, I, I feel like, uh, what are we waiting for? I mean, I, I understand we have to wait until the CDC, you know, has established, you know, their, their kind of their process here and work with closely with them. But I don't want us to just sit back and do nothing and then let, at some point, we'll have an outbreak of polio. And I, I, I'm just not, you know, we just can't do that. We have to begin, at least, to address this and to try and figure out you know, how to set up a, a, a system here that will work. I mean, Altamont Springs, as was mentioned, they're addressing and monitoring, I believe, Dr. Gerardo, right? So, I mean, it's possible. So I just think let's, let's let our staff go ahead and move ahead, move ahead with it so that we can, you know, try to begin to put something in place as best we can. And hopefully maybe at some point uh, the state will decide that it wants to be a partner with us. All right. See, no, my, my comment is I agree with Commissioner Bogan that we should continue looking at this and coming up with some plans. But what I don't want to see Broward County have to do is foot the bill for this entire thing. Because we don't, unless we have willing partners either on the state or CDC, federal level, wherever it may be, because we just don't have the dollars in Broward County that we would need to really make this program to do it the right way. I agree that we should be looking at this because it's interesting information. But to do this really the right way is a major, major financial commitment on taxpayers for a result that may not accomplish what we think up here it would accomplish without these partners in the health field. So there's a motion by Commissioner Bogan. It's second by Commissioner Rich to continue you know, researching through this. But I, I wouldn't want to see us spend a tremendous amount of money without it coming back to us first. So with that, all in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes 7 to 0. That's 64. That brings us to agenda item number 65, which would be on consent, but for Drew spoiling the party. Motion to award an open-end contract to low bidder Sharp Marketing LLC for uniforms for the Broward County Aviation Department. No one from the public signed up for this. Anybody want to opine on what their uniforms look like? <laughs> Seeing that, I'll accept a motion on 65. I have a motion by Senator uh, Geller, second by uh, Senator Bogan. All in favor signify by saying aye on agenda item number 65. Show that that passes unanimously, 7 to 0. Uh, what does that bring us to? 70. Agenda item number 70. Motion to request proposals for the transit development plan that was pulled, I believe, by Senator Geller. No, Commissioner Furr. Yes, thank you. Would you like to be a senator or senator thank you. Just for the day, just for the day, just for the day. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I'm, I'm fine with this plan, but what it does give me the opportunity is to kind of raise the level of urgency that I think we need to be looking at with regard to it. Let me back up for a second. The last couple of weeks, I've I was on a panel at Railvolution, 
which is doing all the, it's a national on light rail in all the different communities and all kinds of stuff. And then I, um, last week with CEFTEC, which I'm the Broward County representative with Miami-Dade and Palm Beach, and everybody is looking at where, what are we doing with, a, with, with regard to applying for these larger grants, the mega grants, those kind of grants that allow us to do some, to really dream big in, in, in many ways. The window is going to be closing on this. And we, we need to be, we need to decide what we are going to be applying for. Uh, as we all know, we did, last, last August, we made the big step of doing an LPA. FDOT, this last week, I think, um, uh, attributed funds to make that happen. But that's, that is like the smallest of the small of what is available out there. And we need to be looking at if we're going to be doing an intermodal site over the airport, if we want to be doing connecting to the airport and the seaport, those are the kind of things that the federal government is looking for in applications. And we don't, and we want to be in a position where we, we may not get it the first cycle, but we're there for the second cycle. But you need to be in there for both cycles. And that means we need to make decisions within the next couple months of what we want. And that, so this transportation plan is, you know, this is big, it's, it's going to be, particularly with the surtax, kind of showing uh, what we're playing on a local level. But... It is, not, it is not looking to the bigger picture. And I know this week there's some big meetings coming on uh, with FAA and FT and all those kind of things. But at the end of that, we have to make a decision. And we have to provide that vision right here. And, and it needs to happen soon. And I, and I would like to think that it would happen by January or February. Because if it doesn't happen by then, we're going to miss the boat. And, and you're seeing... We are, we, are, we are positioned like no other area, like no other region, to be uh, um, applying for the mega grants, which are those up in $700, $800 million. And if we let that go by, it's shame on us. So to, I, I see our county administrators want to jump in here. So I'll, I'll, Monica, I'll yield. I, cer I certainly was not going to interrupt you. I just wanted to, when you were finished, I wanted to uh, okay. add some clarity. Okay. So, Go ahead. so um, uh, Vice Mayor uh, Fisher uh, and I have um, already been looking at the calendar okay. um, that you guys will have at the first meeting in December um, after what we expect uh, our new mayor uh, to be in place. And um, we have set a time aside already for a workshop. And with his uh, direction to us, uh, we're looking to do a workshop on that very thing. So. Yeah. So. So. You want to wait till the okay, Commissioner and, Ryan. I just want to make sure that we're all, you know, speaking on the same subject. We've had, um, I mean, for years, the county has been trying to work out some type of an agreement with uh, FECR for those aerial rights, which is the key to the development of the intermodal center, and. Um, I don't know if we are really, you know, eligible to to submit, you know, that large grant application for these infrastructure funds, you know, if if we don't have that agreement in place, and so we we know what FECR wants, and um, the negotiations have been ongoing, and and I have continued to ask for updates on, you know, where are we at because. 
it, it involves, uh, you know, not only the grant funding, but it involves, you know, this whole uh, um, coastal link connection. And, uh, it, you know, it also involves a lot of state funding. So I, I hope that, you know, we've got a pretty good um, uh, uh, working uh, protocol with, uh, um, you know, with, um, with FDOT and especially with District 4 on how far we're coming along on those negotiations so that uh, when we are ready to make an agreement that, um, you know, we can move on that quickly. Um, I'm, you know, I've been asking for, I guess, over a year, you know, what's happening, even going back to when Bartha was still running, you know, still operating as the county administrator. And this was a very, very uh, perplexing endeavor for her and one that I think she was frustrated that, you know, after, you know, years of effort, we never did reach an agreement with FECR. So that's, that's, that's the big issue. Yeah. But I understand that the negotiating is getting a lot tighter now um, with FECR because of, you know, what they want um, with that uh, very large cold storage facility. You know, and it's, it's a matter of, you know, lease terms and, and some other issues that if we can, if we can reach some agreement, I mean, that's the one that, that triggers all of the other efforts. So I'm with you on it, Commissioner Furr, and uh, if you could just, you know, go forward and, and wrap up those negotiations with FECR, <laughs> we'd get going, okay? Uh, you're, you're absolutely, I mean, Commissioner Ryan, you're, you're right on target on that. That, that has to get wait, done before wait, any of it goes. Wait, give me, give me one second. So, so you had a motion to approve and you want this done as quickly as possible and we're also going to do a workshop. You have a second on the motion aye, to approve aye. 70. All in favor on item number 70 signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Please show that passes unanimously. Now, I think we have about 10 more minutes worth of stuff. If you want to finish it, let's finish it, especially if one of our members isn't here. Okay. So we're going to extend. Um, is everything okay with our... She's good? We're going to be quick. Okay. Agenda item number 79, I believe, is next. And that was just a motion to, to uh, abstain. Uh, agenda item 79 is a motion from Commissioner Moskowitz for excess funds. One of the things he's contributing to is the Holocaust Documentation Education Center. Uh, I serve on the board of the Holocaust Documentation and Education Center, which will be impacted financially if item 79 passes. I do not receive any compensation for serving on this board, and I therefore have no actual statutory voting conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, I'm abstaining on item 79 to ask that this be reflected in the minutes. Okay, so you're abstaining on 79. I'm assuming that Commissioner Moskowitz is no longer on the Zoom. Okay, seeing that he's not here, would somebody, does somebody want to, it's moved by Commissioner Second. Furr, second by Bogan. All in favor on 79 signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Please show that it passes one, two, six to zero with one abstention. Um, that brings us to agenda item number 80, which is Commissioner Moskowitz's discussion on emergency management. He's not here. Over the next couple weeks while he's finishing up, he's got some ideas he wants to bring to county administration. Please vet them with Commissioner Moskowitz and you can bring them back to us in the future and we can go from there. And that would take care of agenda item number 80 unless people want to discuss it right now without Commissioner Moskowitz. But I think it was his idea with some items. He'll work with staff. 81 is an item that he wanted to put on. on what? Okay. 81 is an item that he wanted to put on on Carbine 911, which is the video 911 for EMS service. I, I happen to like this. It's something that we've also brought up here in the past. 
The problem that we keep having with this is, is that the sheriff tells us he's not ready for this just yet. And I, I'm willing to, 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 you know, talk about it, but it doesn't seem like, I know they wanted to submit a video for this meeting, Carbine 911. That hasn't been vetted yet. It's, it's more of a promotional type thing. It's at the board's discretion what they want to do with agenda item number 81 on Carbine 911. Is, is Carbine here? Is anybody here from Carbine? Yes. Come, I mean, what do we want to do on carb on this item? I mean, I'm happy to let the, the member of the public speak. Okay, Mr. Mayor, I, I am also interested right. in this like you, but I don't think that without Commissioner Moskowitz here, without staff report, I don't think there's anything we can actually do on this. Today, I am interested, right. as you are, in proceeding on this. I well, with... Let the gentleman speak. Uh, Wait a second. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if we're opening the item to have anybody speak on this. If we're not going to open the item, then I'm not going to let him speak. I just want to make sure what the will of the board is. If we're going to open the item, we can open the item and hear from the public. I don't want to be rude to the gentleman that came here to this. I'm okay with discussing it, but I think at the end of the day, the most we can get is to bring back more information with the sheriff. Mr. Mayor, I'd like to suggest that we open this, hear from the one speaker who took the time to come, sure. and immediately then close it and okay. That's move what I'm to postpone do. it. All right, sir, you have the floor for three minutes. Thank you very much. Are we able to see the video? No, because it came in after the meeting started and they didn't have a chance to vet it. Okay, thank you. Um, Thank you. Good afternoon, Mayor, Commissioners, Madam Administrator, Madam Dan Plunkett. I am the Executive Vice President of Sales for Carbine, and we are what you mentioned. We are the video, the silent texting, the location product that is helping your neighbor, Miami-Dade, Volusia County, and many, many, many other places throughout the world to keep people safe. Our technology sits on top of your current technology, and so I'm a I guess we're a bit perplexed as to why the sheriff maintains they're not ready for this. Um, this is life-saving technology that requires maybe an hour to install on your current platform and can bring immediate location services, can save lives immediately. We've got the video we were going to show is a little girl that um, was abducted and in Stark County, Ohio, and her life was saved. Um, if it's there is an example in Miami, an uh, older gentleman fell off a seawall and his location and video was pinpointed. So we're a cloud native technology, again, that sits on top of your current platform. It's not obtrusive. Um, we can train and we have trained the entire Miami um, call taking system in a, a matter of days to use this technology. It's, if you think about it very simply, it's the same convenience that we have when we hail a ride service or we order food on our phone. The current 911 systems haven't kept up with that. This gives you that ability. And if you think of a lot of the emergency situations that have happened and will continue to happen here, having this value and valuable information will save lives. So respectively, respectfully, um, not being ready for this is perplexing. Um, this can have an immediate impact and keep the citizens safer, and we would really, really appreciate your consideration. Thank you in adopting this. So, I mean, my feeling on this, I feel I've seen this stuff before. I've been to the carbine. I've seen the 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 what the technology. It's great stuff. It's stuff that we should be doing. Um, I'm I'm personally in favor of it. I think Miami Dade had started a pilot pro project. 
the thing that keeps coming back is we were having the issue with the 911 operators, right. and Sheriff Tony came and he had some concerns with it. Jared's not here, the commissioner on this. I have no problem having uh, Monica. I know Michael Ruiz, Monica's one of his, her deputies, went to Miami and started looking at this process. Let's loop the sheriff in. If it can be done, let's bring it back with something that we can do, that we can roll it out if it can be done. I just don't want this commission up here to be accused of kind of jamming something in, down the sheriff and then the sheriff say, well, I told you we had this problem with 911 and now you're making me do this and it's an issue. This is something that should be so easy to do that we can do it, you know, we can do it, but let's figure out a way. Monica, then Mark, then Commissioner Bogan. Um, I just wanted to make sure that the commission knows that we have um, been looking at Carbine since uh, right. the mayor brought it to us months ago. Um, we continue to do so. I spent, uh, I sent Michael Ruiz down to Miami. Uh, he spent actually yesterday all afternoon with uh, Miami-Dade County um, looking at the technology, seeing how it could sit on top of our, um, our system and how that would work. It would obviously entail a lot of additional training and some additional um, resources, but we are continuing to evaluate that to see when and if that is the appropriate um, um, platform to bring and to utilize that video uh, 911 so Thank I just you. wanted to make sure that the Commission knows we have already been engaged we'll continue to be looking at it two quick things first of all um, I'm happy to bring this as an agenda item in the future so you Thank can you. contact me second um, with respect to your comment about the sheriff look at the sheriff has shown no leadership at 911 we found out about the problem from Sun Sentinel he never came and said my people are underpaid I'm, I got a mess here I need help that never happened we, we need to lead because there is no leadership on 911. Just as we have a consultant, uh, and, and I'd like to get a report on that maybe the next meeting, but uh, okay. I, you know, I look forward to work, you know, working, see how we can work with you. Thank you, Commissioner. I have one question for the county administrator. Um, county administrator, when, I know that we do have a report coming, when is the 911 report due? So, so we have um, in our possession a, a draft of that, as I promised it was coming late October. We got it the last week of October. We've been looking through that, and um, I have not had my debrief with the consultant, but Michael has been working with them um, very engaged week by week on this. So um, we will be bringing something to you all, a uh, full report, going, doing one-on-one -on -one briefings with you, and then bringing something to the, to the board. Thank you. Okay. So does staff have appropriate kind of direction on this item? Okay. So hopefully we can get this. I mean, I'd like to see it. I think it's great stuff, and I think it's important stuff. Um, so let's look further. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right. That brings us to reports, right? That's everything? Commissioner Farr. A couple of them real quick. Uh, after the after the last meeting um, dealing with solid waste, it was evident that um, this board wanted to see uh, an idea of a master plan prior to doing ILA. I think that's a good move. City's heard that, and my understanding is that on November 30th we'll be pre presenting to the solid waste workshop a not a detailed master plan, but the framework for one, which I think is uh, really good. Second. Um, there was a land use decision the other day having to do with Monarch Hill and waste management uh, where there was a discussion, a, a, a request. They wanted to, to do a land use change from electrical generating to landfill. 
Um, it was denied, and that is going to be coming back to us. I actually went over there the other day to take a look at, to see, to look at the former waste energy plant. It is a shell of itself, and that's just being nice. To sit, to, the, the question was whether or not it could become a waste energy plant again. And to do that, ever since it, ever since it has, um, since it's been out of business there for that, for the last seven years, there's been a landfill that has taken over where the transmission lines went through. I think we need to ask, to check on the feasibility if this is even feasible. Because if we're looking for where a waste energy plant is gonna go, there's only really two places. One is there, and one is at our landfill. We need to look at the feasibility, uh, if that is possible at the waste at Monarch Hill. But, the, but we would have to coordinate with FPNL and see if there's another way around with transmission lines. So I'm asking administration if that is possible to help coordinate that kind of request. Okay. Um, today is America, uh, America Recycles Day. Um, I, I do want to congratulate waste, waste Management on putting in a $70 million new recycling plant, which is top of the line, really good. Uh, and that's going to be great for the entire county. Uh, and then last, um, the Broward County School Board allowed for 11 books to be banned and uh, from, their, from their libraries. My hope is that we, those books will remain in our library and so that if any kids want to have any access to it, that we will provide that access and not fall, uh, you know, to the, to the whims of that, of those requests of those that were asking for that. I think it's important that we make that statement um, and that we provide those, that access. Thank you. Senator Rich. Amen to that. Uh, but you can't, we, right now we don't know what it, we can be thinking is going on at the Broward County School System with yesterday them removing the superintendent with a board, five people who are not elected by anybody in this county, five people, last major board meeting, no public notice at night, just taking her out. So <coughs> I, I, I don't even, I can't even say at this point, but I do, I, I do see that they were, there was a thought of maybe rescinding the vote uh, because the, uh, the attorney, uh, Marilyn Batista, uh, isn't confident that yesterday's surprise vote wasn't a sunshine violation. So we'll see what that might bring, might bring. But I, I do want to support that. I, I asked the question, I believe, Monica, of you about, and uh, I'm sure it was Kim too, about not banning books in our library. And you indicated that we will not be banning books in our library. So that's, should answer, work with that. So, okay, I just want to, I want to first, I just want to congratulate Dan West. I guess everybody probably received this, but it was very exciting that he received a national award. Um, and it's uh, the 2022 President's Award for Outstanding Service on the Legends Committee of the American Academy for Park and Recreation Administration. Uh, and I'm really very, he's done such an amazing parks director. I'm not surprised that people on a national level, you know, have recognized this. Uh, it's kind of the only committee that keeps the oral histories of leaders in the field of uh, Park and Recreation Administration. So I just wanted to congratulate him. 
Um, I um, also wanted to mention this is not federal funds, but you sent out a memo, Monica, about state funds that we did get for the uh, 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 capital improvements on the Broward Commuter Rail, the South Project. So that was kind of exciting to see. We got that. Um, and um, I just want to draw everybody's attention uh, because we need to be thinking as we move along with our 10-year plan for affordable housing. Uh, about a dedicated source of revenue for our county. And I just want people to recognize that all over this country, uh, and as close as Palm Beach County, uh, counties and municipalities all over, passed affordable housing funding initiatives of different kinds. And we need to be thinking about that for the future. So I hope, hopefully that will be coming to us through the 10-year uh, plan that's being developed. Uh, and lastly, I just wanted to say, I hope you all felt the way I did, uh, Monica, I, the the recognition of the longtime employees um, this morning was it was so incredible. It was heartwarming, you know, to see colleagues coming and filling the room um, uh, for their fellow employees, and then you know just this this hearty cheering for each of them. It says a lot about our yeah. our county and um, how we treat our employees. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. Just more congratulations to our. Owen Mayor Udine on his award for the ultimate man of the year. I don't even, I don't even, know, I don't even know what that was, but whatever. <laughs> I have no clue we thought what it was, but we thought you were running up the sexiest yeah, man of the year, exactly, but you got yeah. now, you got the yeah, ultimate yeah, yeah, man yeah. of the year. But I think we raised some money. But you showed up to accept that award. I showed up. <laughs> I showed up. Yeah. Again, congratulations to George Tablack and Mark Gale, obviously, for their teams achieving the A-plus rating. Uh, for the county's airport system revenue bonds from the S&P. And lastly, congratulations to Deputy Port Director Glenn Wiltshire. And everybody knows Glenn. And he is a young man at heart, I'm sure. Uh, but he finished the New York City Marathon himself. Yeah. So Glenn, congratulations, my man. Wow. Keep going and do what you do. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Senator Geller. I could do that marathon, but only if I'm driving. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 car. Um, the uh, first um, uh, commissioner for, uh, uh, yeah, banning books. No. Um, the, um, we had a press conference in chambers yesterday where the uh, South Florida Regional Planning Council and the Comprehensive Economic Development Strategy Committee released the, its SEDS report this what I've served in government in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now the 2020s. I have never been part of a blue ribbon committee that was quite that blue ribbon. Um, we had, you know, the uh, just yesterday we had seven of the 40 members come. It was president of Nova, president of Broward College, president of the College of the Florida Keys, um, the president of the uh, South Florida Hospital Association, chair of BBX CAP. I mean, just an amazing group of people. Uh, we have copies of this report available. It is a comp. This actually, we were the economic development agency for the Economic Development Administration of the U.S. Department of Commerce for Southeast Florida. If you're on this, uh, you're much more likely to be getting federal funds, and it really is a comprehensive 
economic look at where we are and where we should be going in Southeast Florida. It's only a, it's a light reading 140 page report, um, but I would recommend that everybody at least, you know, take a quick look at it. You might find it interesting. And my last issue was um, I wanted to actually ask Commissioner Furr a question because I, uh, and you touched on the recycling, I can't ask you about this other than at a public meeting, but there was an article in the Sun Sentinel, which I had on my computer waiting to ask you, and it says waste management invest 75 million to keep South Florida recycling. Um, it's, you know. a, it's a game changer for recycling in this in this county. And I was going to ask if you could just tell us a little bit more about this because, as you know, when the South Florida Regional Planning Council and Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council recently had our major regional meeting on recycling right. uh, and on solid waste disposal, uh, how does this affect that? And can you well, just and you, explain a little more what this does? And you probably remember the, the gentleman that, was, that spoke there that talked about all the optical scanners. This right. is what that is. So when you when we were looking at what is the latest and the greatest and the um, the, the most you know uh, safest all those kind of things, that's what it is. Um, I've been kind of keeping track of what waste management is doing on a on a national level. They they hired somebody about a year and a half ago, Don McCormick, something like that. Don McCormick. Yeah, uh, who has been pushing recycling and, because it's starting to come back. It, it that the industry had really taken a nosedive. They're doing their best to try to bring it back. What it means for us is that as a county, for if we're doing an ILA, that means we don't have to be investing in that because they're doing it. Or we don't have to be investing as much. Maybe there needs to be another one on the northern end of the um, county, but that's to, that's to be seen. Um, but what that, what that does is it is for us, for our landfill to be able to hold onto its capacity for as long as possible. Um, and for us not to have to do, or you know, not to have to do a WT now, that's the only way to do it is to have a really robust uh, recycling facility, and that is one of them. And so you think that this is helpful? Oh, and absolutely. Substantially helpful. Absolutely. Okay. And then the last question on on this, because I apologize, I just can't yeah, ask no, you that, other than it. up here. Yep. The um, uh, will this also make it more economically? Uh, uh, effective for the cities to recycle because right now we've already told the cities instead of making money you're going to be paying more but you have to do it because we have to keep our landfill uh, capacity will this be making it more affordable I don't know the answer to that thank you sir uh, County Ms. Wright, can you get us a, a little more information on this certainly well thank you Commissioner Ryan You know, I wanted to uh, comment on these um, uh, the, the recent story that came in late last night uh, regarding the uh, the school board's decision on uh, Dr. Vicki Cartwright. Um, she she just recently um, was uh, appointed as a board member over at Career Source, and uh, you know she really just had come on board. And uh, it's a difficult system, as anybody who's dealt with the. Broward County School District uh, will know. I mean, there, there's plenty to clean up, things that, you know, uh, should have been done in the past. But it, it was just so political that um, 
that vote, that decision last night. And I, I'm hope, hopeful that with this new board that comes in, uh, you know, they're going to soon be, uh, um, you know, certified election results and they'll be sworn in and get to work. I, you know, I, I hope that that decision can be rescinded because, you know, we there's a lot of opportunities to, to do well. And you can see that the voters, you know, support the uh, public school system. You know, they just in the primary uh, approved that additional uh, tax upon, you know, the ad valorem tax. So um, I, I think the the energy and the commitment is there for the from the public. And, um, you know, I just hate to see, you know, things coming out of Tallahassee that affect Broward County, you know, with such, uh, you know, political overtures. And, you know, with that, I guess, Drew, I ought to ask you to keep an eye on me in case, you know, we hear something that the, the governor doesn't like that political commentary. But, I mean, I think it's, it's for us to, uh, you know, to be able to, to speak to the public about, about what's right you know, and, and what, uh, you know, it was constructive improvements in our public school system. Um, so I have that observation. I also want to uh, um, extend my congratulations to my nephew, who was uh, recently elected in a uh, municipal race. He got the highest yeah. number of votes, and he's now the mayor of Dania Beach. So congratulations to my nephew, AJ. Commissioner Bogan. It's good to be here. Um, had a tough election. Really tough. <laughs> I ran against the right in. Ever. You should be embarrassed. Excuse me, but but the Republican voters just. I just couldn't persuade those. I could not persuade those nine percent of. <laughs> Geller, control yourself, would you? I want to. I want to just make a few things. All right, guys. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank uh, the good old planning council that voted against uh, waste management's recommending their expansion. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner, on that. Um, also, on my pilot health pro project, uh, there's been so many contracts needed. I want to thank uh, Drew and Renee. Thank you so much for being there and, and uh, admin and, and uh, for, as well. Um, we, by the way, we have signed up 850 people, have been advertising. Um, we're going to need 10,000 to 15,000 people, but we're on our way. And last but not least, at the end of uh, September, you know, we all have money in our budgets, what we do with it. And um, so one of the things I did was I did a $10,000 um, to uh, this nonprofit that does mobile mammograms, and they set up and they got 70 women. Uh, 10 of the 70 had irregular uh, mammograms, and 16 they're still looking at. So that might demonstrates the need for it. Anyway, that's about it, and that's it. Have a good week. My comments. So I first want to mention um, the county attorney's office, and they send numerous people to the Broward elections office because we canvassed this go-around. Just to give an update, second unofficial results have been submitted by Broward County. We had two machine recounts for the Oakland Park race, the Fort Lauderdale race. We had one hand recount for the Oakland Park race. Broward County was one of the first ones to send their unofficial results in on um, election night. That got hit by MSNBC. They said Broward County is like the first in. Um, there was a little bit of a delay with the actual election day votes because there was a te technological glitch and they had to put in the do it by jump drives. But counted, um, the county attorney's office, send, since they've started sending attorneys there, it's just, 
it's better. It's just, I, I don't know. I wasn't there in 2018. I just observed it. But since they've done that, it's a lot better. And the, there's good legal advice. We can't, we must have had like 20 meetings. All those AJ Ryan votes that were coming in, it was a lot of meetings. Um, Bogue, congratulations to Commissioner Bogan on his reelection. Just for the record, even though 9%, they didn't do the effective correct write in, so it shouldn't even be there. So, but you're, you're, you're in, you're in, you're good. Um, I just want to also mention so the airport, they did their autism in flight again uh, last week, and I've gone out there every time when they've done it. Commissioner Sharif used to kind of uh, spearhead it here, so I went with Lana this go round. It's just amazing to see what they do and how the whole airport community gets involved. And I remember when my kids were little and I traveled, and it was a pain. Imagine doing it with a child with autism when they walk through that airport and hear the, you know, the, the mayor's announcement drives them nuts, the lights drive them nuts, <laughs> everything drives them nuts. Um, and they got to, uh, they really do a good job. So I want to thank Mark Gale and his team for that. JetBlue does a lot. The Delaware North crew does a lot. Um, everybody, TSA, they all really do a mock-up of getting all those kids on the flights, and it, it really helps out. And Mark also won a big award, so I was with him Saturday night. He won an airport award. I don't know if he's still here. Is he still there? Yeah. Bolted. So he looked good in his great Gatsby outfit, um, and he was roaring 20s over there. So congratulations. Um, I was with Commissioner Ryan's office. We did the Special Olympics stuff uh, last weekend over at uh, Nova Southeastern. And again, just to, you know, we're an everyone under the sun, inclusive community. It's easy for people that are, that have everything going correctly for them or, or, or that are lucky in life. There are some people that aren't as lucky and, and what Broward County tries to do and tries to partner with is really a hallmark of what we do up here. On, on virtually every level, and it's just gratifying to do it. With that, I wish everybody a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, peace out. I'm done. You guys, so it's been real. It's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. Um, so, but I'll be back the 29th, and I'm not going anywhere. Still one of nine, one vote of nine, right? So you still have to call me. Um, Monica, comments. I was just going to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving and remind um, everyone that the county's uh, 365 food drive goes on year round, but this is uh, an especially needy time uh, for folks. So um, I would invite anyone to go to Broward.org forward slash food drive. Thank you. Drew. He comes right at the end when it's done and takes all the accolades. <laughs> really, the workers are there. He shows up for the cookie right at the end. I don't know. But it's also gotten a lot smoother. Yeah. Mayor and the wings on that. It's it's made things a lot easier on us, which is is fantastic. And I also just wanted to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving as well. Thank you, Mr. Melton. You had your. A time down at the podium. You've done too much today, but I'm going to still give you a chance to talk. Just happy Thanksgiving, David. Love it, brother. <laughs> We're adjourned. See you the 29th.